I know on the newspaper that it says, like, he was shot several times in the head, and then the, the crease in the newspaper is right in his head. So I think that's kind of ironic and kind of, yeah, kind of a little morbid. But I really like that newspaper a lot. And then, you know, the U.S. orbits with Glenn. Glenn. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I feel so, like, behind because I genuinely don't know who Glenn is. I don't know. It must be his last name. Some astronaut? It's a three-round victory in space. I just also, I don't know, it's really cool to see how old newspapers were set up. Because on one of them, yeah, on the Kennedy one, it just says, for weather, it just says cold. (laughs) On the top left corner, (laughs) it just says cold. Cold. Deal with it. It's pretty funny. I I like them a lot. My mom had a decoration like a theme to our bathroom oh, in my house and it was titanic so there's like newspapers of like titanic sinking and then oh my god it had like color scheme of like ocean and, that's really yeah. funny actually i like the bathrooms that um everything is like shells and fish and there's just like like the i don't know have you, you know the wallpaper that's just like a piece it's like a strip that goes around the hole and then it's like maybe one color on the bottom and a different color on the top yeah and just has like little fish on the strip and then there's like little seashells everywhere and little bowl of seashells on top of the toilet and they like smell like cinnamon or something like seashell potpourri i never had a bathroom like that yeah i don't have a bathroom theme right now mine doesn't mine yeah mine doesn't either i don't really want a theme either they do have a bathroom uh guest book though that people can sign in the bathroom yeah but just like a sig does i i peed in this toilet yeah and it's like draw an image and like what song best fits the mood of your bathroom visit (laughs) that's funny (laughs) we have a little book that is like like 200 some writing prompts or something we're having our friends fill it out and it's kind of like the one at work yeah but it's really fun and one of the ones our friend um came over the other day and it was like describe how it how you're feeling as you're like falling into a bottomless pit and it was like describe how you feel before you fall in and just like wow that's really deep i wonder how deep that is and then the rest of it was just ah for the whole like all (laughs) the the last three stages (laughs) it was funny it's good stuff did you ever watch spy kids too or any Um, of them i watched i definitely watched at least one of them yeah was it the one where they went to an island Yes. That's Spy Kids too. Okay, I like that one. Do you remember the part where they fall down like the volcano? Oh, yes, yes. And they're falling forever yeah. because it's like artificial. And they're like like that, like yeah. laying in the air. That's what I was thinking of. That's fun. Yeah, I like, I really like Spy Kids. I feel like it holds up. Like, it's a good movie. Definitely holds up better than Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have. Have you seen the sequel? No, I didn't know there was a sequel. That's good. You should continue to not know there was a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. Shark Boy and Lava Girl are adults, and it's about, like, their kids. So Shark Man and Lava Woman. <laughs> no, they're still called Shark Boy and Lava Girl, even though they're adults. And it's even more cringy than I ever. actually, there's, um, sometimes Casey and I will watch, um, like, 10 to 15 minutes of the worst thing we can find on Netflix, <laughs> or, like, Hulu or whatever, and we found something called, I think it was called Mighty Kids, and the like thumbnail was like this little girl like flexing and i picked that one because i thought it looked funny mighty kids is that the name of it no yes i think it is because i watched it and it's about the child of or like some of the kids of like shark boy and and, like superheroes that's totally it i started watching it and i was like this is the worst thing i've ever watched (laughs) it was right so you've seen some yeah well i fast forwarded and i went to the part where the one kid with the long neck was just like stretching it around (laughs) and i was like this is disgusting like this is gross I just don't, I don't get it. Like, 
it wasn't it's not even a power you can stretch your neck like <laughs> what? that's not a power yeah, i think he uses it for some you know stretching his neck perfect that's... moment for like we need someone to stretch their neck <laughs> that's the only solution to our predicament it's just i didn't love it have you seen sky high it sounds familiar but i have not seen it i don't oh, think okay. Is that, it about like a bunch of superhero kids? Yeah, it wasn't a terrible movie though. It's, it's actually an awesome movie. Mm -hmm. With, uh, what's the girl? Have you seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Yes, yeah. The girl who plays Ramona Flowers is. I really like in her. Spy Kids. And yeah. She's, she's in Spy Kids? Not Spy Kids. Sky High. Sky High. Okay. <laughs> Similar sounding name. I was like, damn, she's in Spy Kids too? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna move this. It's not pointed enough. This tape. Do you need. Um, like something to prop up the back of the microphone. That might be a good idea. I was going to give you these wood slices <laughs> that I just have. Does that work? Oh, uh, yeah, I think it's good. This is actually their slices from the first tree I ever cut down. How many trees have you cut down? A lot, because really? I used to be an arborist. You were an arborist? Yeah. Oh. I've told you that, I think. I thought, okay. Did you think that arborist was something else? I thought maybe you were something else that wasn't an arborist. I thought you I were... was a lot of things that weren't an arborist. <laughs> yeah. So that's true. Oh, okay. Then maybe I forgot that one. That's okay. I've done a lot of things. Also, I feel like I was like an arborist in training, not an actual certified... I wasn't a certified arborist because you have to go through some tests and rigmarole to get that title. Oh, okay. But they still let me chop stuff down. Yeah. So. Yeah, I chopped a few trees down. I had mm -hmm. to for uh, working at like the parks department. Oh, of, yeah. of a government county of a government yes <laughs> <laughs> of a government my friend worked for the parks too here in milwaukee oh okay yeah i didn't do milwaukee but it was pretty good well anyway let's begin the, the, the actual podcasting. podcast let me just was he staring at me through the crack okay welcome to the regular people podcast i'm wade allen and today i'm joined by quinn hello Hi, Quinn. <laughs> so I think we're planning on talking about plants mm -hmm. and fear, maybe. Yes, lots of fear. And some other things. Miscellaneous. Yeah, topics that we're interested in. Yes. But before we begin, I'd like to know, well, I'd like the listeners to know a mm -hmm. little bit about you. Mm -hmm. So who were you, let's say, five years ago and who are you now? Mm -hmm. um, five years ago was 2016. And I was in a very, very difficult relationship that was kind of forcing me to be someone that I'm not really. And I was really shy and really quiet and really like, I don't know, I really just let a lot of things just happen around me without actually being involved in them, basically. Hmm. I had just gotten my dog, though, my dog Zazi, so that's good. Five years ago... Someone very close to me died, and I was really, really depressed. Probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life, which is why I got my dog. But I was just a mess. I was a real mess five years ago, like truly. And was it mostly because of the death or it was a combination? It was definitely, the death was a big part of it, but also the relationship I was in was very suffocating, and it really pushed me. It kind of like crushed me, you know, like kind of pushed me into this little mold that I wasn't supposed to fit in. That's kind of what it felt like. But it's weird. Yeah. It's very weird. That was like your childhood best friend that died, right? It was, well, she was my best friend in high school. Not childhood, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess high school is part of your childhood in a way. Yeah. And that's yeah. still not really important. 
Yes, time. yes. And I had a really, like, like a very difficult high school experience, too. So, like, one of the few people that I was really close with. Yeah, so that happened. And then I had a really hard time with that. And as time went on, I honestly only recently started feeling better. But during that time, the person I was with made me feel really bad for grieving and made me, yeah, literally, like, I was, like, it was, like, maybe a couple months after this happened, uh, I was still very sad because I had known this person for years and years, and I was really close with them, and they, like, asked me why I was still sad and why I hadn't gotten over it yet, and I was, like, yeah, that's pretty much what they said to me, and I was, like, I I can't. (laughs) This is something I'm going to be dealing with for the rest of my life, probably, and, like, I can't just get over it. That's not how this works. So eventually that relationship ended within the last five years, which is good, but also still difficult because like we were really close friends and we'd known each other since we were like, I was 16 when we met. So that's 10 years ago. You're talking about the person you broke up with? Yeah. 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 We were actually engaged and I realized during that time that it wasn't something I wanted to like follow through with and I moved on from that. And that was good. And as as soon as that happened, like my friends and family started saying like, wow, you're acting like yourself again. Like Mm -hmm. you seem like so much happier and like you just, you're just different. You look different. Like you're acting different. Your eyes are like brighter. You just like look better. Like you look like you're doing better. And I was like, I am. But also this is also really hard. (laughs) It's hard to break up with someone, even if it's an abusive relationship when you've been together for like six years. So that was a big moment in my life. After that happened, I like feel like I really came into who I am going to be in the future and who I am now. And I've just been working on myself a lot and like addressing some things that I, you know, maybe reactions that I have or things that I just do habitually that maybe I shouldn't be doing or why I am the way I am or whatever it is. Just been doing a lot of looking at myself from a hopefully objective point of view. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of work. <laughs> so, what type of things are you interested in? Oh, I love plants. Plants, yeah. as you know. Um, I have two dogs that I love to death. I have a great partner now. I've been doing some. I've always been interested in painting, and so I used to paint a lot when I was younger, and then I stopped for a long time, and then I've gotten back into it, and that's been really nice. And then I've been doing like cross stitch, like embroidering things. Oh, okay. Which has been nice because it's kind of, I don't know, I've let go of the notion of like having to be good at things to do them. I just like kind of want to. So I just do now. Like I'm not good at embroidering things, but I'm like, I think I will embroider a strawberry today. And it's very like, it's cute and it's like freeing. And sometimes I try to make something and it looks nothing like it. But I spent, you know, I spent a few hours on it and I learned some things about that specific thing. And yeah, that's a good mindset to have. Because if you go into it like wanting to be good or else you're not going to do it, mm-hmm. it just prohibits you from doing so many things that you might actually enjoy. I have struggled with like trying to be perfect yeah. for a long time. And I, that's another thing that like I let go after I like moved on from that person that I was with because they kind of made me feel like I had to be perfect. And so I stopped trying to be perfect and I'm just doing things that I want to do. And if I'm not good at them, it's fine because no one's good at everything and I also suck at a lot of things and I'm just like fine with that and I'd rather do them and like 
just enjoy them. Jen does not do them at all because I, I just feel like that's a waste. Yeah. I used to be really into drawing. And to some extent, I still am. But I, when I was a kid, I thought I was like such a great drawer mm -hmm. compared to like the rest of my friends. And I was always proud of my work. And then as I got older, in like high school, there was like drawing and painting classes that are like lots of people were taking and I decided not to take them. So then like my drawing level got worse than my friends. Yeah. And then I, I don't know, I kind of stopped and I had other things that I was doing. But right now I'm in a like understanding art class and every like week we have to do drawing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not like harshly graded or anything. We're not expected to be good. Mm -hmm. but we just have to dedicate like an hour to drawing an image. And I drew like a self-portrait kind of just of my face yeah and it's not good but it's sitting on my kitchen table and kind of every day I, I just see it sitting there and i've grown to like it more and more it's like i know that it's not like objectively like a great piece of artwork mm -hmm. but even though that's the case i still like it and i still liked making it right i don't know you can enjoy things even though you're not perfect or even good at them yes you did show me that picture of the shoe you drew though oh yeah. and that was good that objectively one, good <laughs> that one was yeah it was better lo looking than it looked like my face it looked like when people in like elementary school would trace something and then yeah. they'd say that they drew it and oh. i'd be like no you traced that for sure like you definitely traced that but it looks good it looks like a shoe the proportions are good that's good it's good i also i think i showed you one other one that was um oh of, yeah of a guy yes. just eating a cow yeah, with like lots carcass. of blood <laughs> with a fork and knife yeah he's happy about it that one was um yeah it was good it was good <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah well i mean it's like images like that it's like it's sad so yeah yeah, yeah driving here i uh was kind of reminded of that and i was saddened too because i was driving and i heard heard this weird noise like a goat so a i looked goat. around and it wasn't the goat but there was one of those trucks with the attachment oh, yeah. on the back with the like like the metal yeah the metal like thing. cage for horses and cows in it yeah and there was a cow and i could just just see oh it's like God. head peeking out with its eyes every time i see that i actually cry when i'm driving yeah. like i just start sad. crying i also want to like crash into them yeah yeah it was like really <sighs> there's a lot of traffic so we were coming to a complete stop and i was like we're just parked right now i could just get out of my car and like open free it. it yeah but then i noticed there's a lock it's like oh, i don't have a hammer but i'd like to really just go out there and smash it open and yeah. just like let the cow go i've thought about that too a lot but then i whenever i think about that like oh i would love to just smash into this truck to let this animal free i'm like well i would i might die the guy the might, might die. die the animal might die <laughs> we're at we're on the highway so someone could just run the animal over like yeah. as much as i in an ideal world i could just let it free it just doesn't happen yeah but i definitely get sad every time i see it but then i wonder though like i mean provided you don't die and all that if you like get out of your car and like open the open the door and let let the cow go out and it actually does go out and it might die on the freeway but it's got a chance of survival it has a chance whereas where it's going right now it's it going. doesn't have a chance yeah i also imagine when you let the when you free like an animal out of it's some someone's in the car yeah so they're just gonna like come out with something. a shotgun and be like yeah. you took my cow and just like shoot at you or something i don't <laughs> probably, know yeah. the guy probably wouldn't be very happy about it yeah definitely not unless i acted like a crazy person i think that's really how you like win encounters you yes. just act completely insane i've thought about that a lot that you know when we touch on the fear subject i've thought about that a lot if i'm like walking somewhere and someone tries to like take me or like hurt me i'm just like i'm gonna act like a absolutely crazy like so yeah, i'm actually i'm just scream at them yes and flail like, and act like pee an my animal. pants yeah. and just like 
just yeah start speaking in tongues and just like go for it because i feel like they'll be like oh i don't want this crazy person yeah you gotta like create a doubt in their mind like are they like a demon like are they are they possessed <laughs> yeah. i would love to have someone think that about me if like they were trying to steal me like they think i'm possessed and they just release me like oh i don't want this one yeah that would be the goal so you touched on your five-year history yeah. there and you're into plants oh yeah how did you get into that though I it's a difficult it's difficult for me to pinpoint exactly when the fascination began but I do remember when I was really young like we had a garden in the backyard everyone says this you know we had a garden and my mom and I would garden and stuff but what I remember from the garden is just eating cucumbers and being like really happy to eat these cucumbers because they were like mini cucumbers oh yeah and I would like my friends would come over and I would just be like would you like to eat some cucumbers and like we'd go pick cucumbers and they were like why are we doing this and I'd be like isn't this cool like cucumbers just yeah. they're there but like apart from that maybe a few years later sometimes I would get to take some summer classes and there was this one when I was in elementary school that was called like, I think it was called like nature or like nature is like cool or something yeah. like that. And we were like doing a tour through the woods and the tour guide stopped and they grabbed some, I remember this very vividly. They stopped and grabbed some like sumac berries or sumac seeds, which is just like this native plant. It's like got a really distinct like red bundle of seeds after it's like fruited and everything in the fall and they're really fuzzy and they took them and they like rubbed them in their hand and they were like you can eat these like they're called sumac like you know like two names sue and mac and i like ate one and it was tart and it was like really crunchy and i was like this is amazing like this is the coolest <laughs> thing i've ever seen and i just was like i don't know i was so excited about that and then just like my name I don't know, I was thinking when I was younger, I was like, my name, I have a name, and like this plant has a name. And I just felt some sort of like kinship with that because, mm. I don't know, I guess because they broke it down like Sue and Mac, I was yeah. like, that's a person's name. And I've like never forgotten that plant, and I love that plant. I, that's like the most monumental thing I can think of that's really like ignited that interest. It goes farther too. It just goes on and on after that. Nice. So. Yeah, it kind of like personifies the plant. I guess. Yeah, exactly. And like, I've just always been very interested in the names of things anyway, with plants. Like, where do they come from? What do they mean? Because they're very indicative of like what they are and yeah. what they do a lot of the time. Like, there is one that I think is funny. When I was in school, like, af you know, after high school, one of my teachers was talking about a plant that's commonly known as um, buckthorn and the berries make when the birds eat the berries they just like can't stop shitting basically they're like just they're like a laxative and the latin name is ramnus cathartica and like cathartica is like catharsis you know and it's like comes from that you know kind of comes from that word and then i was looking at this like i was looking at all these like natural supplements the other day and one of them said like promotes digestion and like regularity and i was like reading the ingredients and it said like ramnus um it was another ramnus species and it, but different though. But different. But it was like the same thing. And it was just interesting to think that it's just gonna that that's what it's doing. Like it's you're just a bird, <laughs> like eating these <laughs> yeah. berries essentially. And yeah. it's like the same thing happening. It's funny to know they're in the same family and they have the same effects. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it's strange that someone would take that, but it's like almost poisonous, but whatever. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's not that, is it, that why your body has that reaction to it? It's not like poisonous, like you're gonna die, but you're having an adverse reaction. You're trying yeah. to get it out of your body. 
So it's ironic that they're like putting it in a, like as a natural laxative type thing yeah. to like just. Is that not how other natural laxatives are? I I mean. Are they all just kind of like? Well, your body's reacting because it doesn't want it in there. I think like, you know, as far as if you're like drinking peppermint tea, it's like soothing, you know, soothing to your Is stomach. Is laxative? It's not a laxative, but it's like good for your digestion oh. from what I understand. And it like makes your stomach feel better a lot of the time, at least whenever I take it, if I have a stomach ache. But like, I think there's a difference between like soothing and maybe like, you know, relaxing your body and then yeah. like forcibly taking these berries and just like shitting like <laughs> like i know there i don't know i feel like there's just a big difference in those two like taking some chamomile and just like drinking it otherwise taking like yeah. actual laxatives probably not very good right i just don't know how much i trust that given on what i know about the berries I've got a few stories about laxatives oh boy <laughs> oh ricola that's the brand of um cough drops uh-huh when I was like in high school, I was sick and I had a sore throat. So I was just sucking on Ricola cough drops all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like natural ingredients or whatever. Right. And I didn't realize that those natural ingredients actually included natural laxatives. Oh, no. I don't know specific, like what it was specifically, but I remember the effects very well. That's terrible. And since then, I'm like, I'm just not going like, to use Ricola scared. as cough drops. I didn't know that Ricola cough drops had like any natural laxatives in it. I'm not sure if it's all of them, but it was definitely the kind I was using. That's also such a strange... I feel like that's a weird thing to put in a cough drop. Well, I think it's the fact that you're not supposed to just chain eat cough drops. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Like candy. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, if you eat cough drops the way you're supposed to eat them, they don't really have much of an effect. Yeah, that's true. Because like one, you suck on it for like five minutes and then that's five minutes of relief, but then you got another hour before you're supposed to take the next one of just painful throat. I never realized... If you eat a whole bag of Ricola, you're going to shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> and I was at work and I was like, just I had to go to the bathroom and not do the rest of my shift because I, you Oh my know, gosh, that's terrible. That's terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you told me so I can just never, never do that. Yeah. Take them I, in small amounts. I do enjoy, you know, sucking on a Ricola when I've got a sore throat. Like they're helpful. It's yeah. nice. And they're like a nice flavor too. They, they don't are. taste like that fake just like medicine. Yeah. Like I, the other ones, like I mean, Halls do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Terrible time. Sorry I went through that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a learning process. Like, that's something I might, I'll probably never forget that Ricola makes me shit. That's true. Or everyone shit. It sounds like something you should put on your gravestone when you die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like Avoid pass down Ricola. to your grandchildren. <laughs> like yeah. grandpa's wisdom. I I should probably look back at like the actual ingredient that it was. Because that's yeah. something I forgot. But my second laxative story. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. But well, that's okay. It I happens. Mean, <laughs> that's the spontaneity of it mm-hmm. that I enjoy. But I was in eighth grade and we had a demonstration speech that we had to give. And that was mm-hmm. like our last project of the year. And we partnered up and I partnered with my best friend. We decided to do a speech about how to make brownies. Oh boy, I know this story actually. <laughs> Go well, for mostly, it mostly for the purpose of, we like to make um, YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we could just turn our speech into a video. Mm-hmm. And then to us, it'll feel like we're just having fun rather than doing schoolwork. So we made a video about it. And it was like eight minutes and our speech was supposed to be like two. Um, <laughs> and then we're like, you know what else we could do? We could bring in brownies to give after they watch our video speech. Mm-hmm. How sweet, right? Yeah. It sounds so innocent. <laughs> and then... Um, when we were in the process of making the video, we get the idea that we could make it even better and put laxatives in the brownies that's to poison like our class. Literally, the worst thing you could do. <laughs> like, that's like that's evil. I, we thought it was really funny, and I still think it's funny. Um, might be evil, but 
Oh my god. Yeah. We put laxatives in the brownies. And in fact, in the video we showed us putting laxatives in the brownie brownies um did they just miss that part did it just go yeah it was only in there for a few seconds but i was like we i just wanted to include it as so they like knew, a, like an you, in joke you could be like well you did watch a video in which it yeah. showed you we put laxatives in the brownies <laughs> yeah. and you still ate them yeah it's not like we called out the fact that we're putting laxatives in them. it was just like when we're showing us adding the ingredients one of the ingredients was the laxatives oh my gosh and we went when we went to the store to buy them um there's a lot at like walgreens and i was asking the pharmacist there like how long did these take to like kick in and like yeah. how, how strong are they and this is the, where i made the mistake that i did because i went for the fastest acting ones uh-huh. rather than ones that were like the most powerful or <laughs> rather than ones that would taste like chocolate mm-hmm. which was an important thing so when we were making the brownies for the video i tried some of the lacti- laxatives a little bit it was like a liquid it was like oh, a bottle okay so i like drank some and it tasted like sprite interesting so we put like a half bottle into the brownies oh my gosh and then after the video during class we were serving the brownies and you know we're eighth graders so like we were kind of telling our friends about it so like word was spreading before the class that we were going to poison the class with laxatives right so a few kids were like i don't know like if i want these brownies so to make them like believe us that we didn't actually put laxatives in them i ate like two of them mm-hmm. to convince the rest of the class to eat them so then everybody was eating the brownies and somebody had a few or a people some people had extras and everyone's like these brownies taste really weird because mm-hmm. they taste like they're like sprite brownies uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> and i tried really hard to get my teacher to take some um to eat some and she just refused she was like i don't trust you kids or like, maybe she just you know didn't want to eat brownies maybe maybe she's maybe she was vegan maybe she was vegan. <laughs> you I don't, don't know. know yeah or she was watching her i don't know sugar oh man so then I had a lunch period right after that class and I was sitting in lunch class and the vice principal comes up and he calls me and my friend Tyler Mm -hmm. up to the principal's office because now word had spread so like they want to question us about it. So then we get there and he asks us and I just like, I I wasn't lying. I was like, yeah, we totally did because I thought it was funny and I wanted to own up to it. Uh So then we got um, suspended for a week. But during that process of us sitting there telling the story to our vice principal, my entire English class had to walk into the health room, which was oh in the same, gosh. like, little section of the school. So, like, my whole class was walking into the health room, getting inspected, seeing if they were allergic to the laxatives that we mm-hmm. used or anything. Or, like, you know, having to actually use the bathroom. Right. Yeah. So, then I got, ex- or not expelled, I got suspended. And I couldn't go to my eighth grade carnival. Oh. Because it was that week. Oh. Well, you did poison your whole <laughs> class, <laughs> yeah. so. And I lost the trust of my teacher. She was, she was the one of those teachers who, like, thought I showed promise or whatever so she would assign she would give me books to read Mm -hmm. specifically that the rest of the class wasn't reading yeah so she liked me you were like after that point she didn't like me anymore then you betrayed her yeah and then the following year she had a breakdown and quit for some other reasons because of you (laughs) or kids like like you were the only thing i had in this class (laughs) and you ruined it yeah oh man well that's terrible so for anybody looking to make laxative brownies I think the first thing you should go for is laxatives that taste like chocolate. Not Sprite. Yeah. And you should probably go for um, strongest laxatives. Not fastest acting. Yes. Have you seen, um, oh, it's called American Vandal. It's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Um, but the penis graffiti? The other one, too. Have you seen the other one? The no. second season? It's all about that. Someone puts laxatives in, like, a drink. 
and they're, it's called they call themselves the turd burglar and it's the whole <laughs> thing it's really funny it's really really well done too yeah, i haven't seen that it's hilarious and then they're trying to figure out who the turd burglar is this whole time but it starts because they like put laxatives in some drink and everyone's just pooping their pants like yeah. everybody because it was like in the cafeteria oh that would have been good too yeah i only Don't got one class ideas. rather than the whole school <laughs> yeah exactly they got the whole school nice that reminds me have you watched any community at all no i haven't that's a great tv show but there's an episode um about an ass crack bandit who it's not actually a bandit because he's inserting coins into people's oh yeah butt cracks when they bend over okay and in the, the the format of the episode is it's like this dramatic like mystery mm-hmm. and everybody's treating it as if like they were murdered or, or like raped or something yeah. so they're like very dramatically upset like they they were violated by you know getting quarters in their butts that's how the american vandal is shot too yeah. in that one it's like very dramatic and they're like what could this be like who who, who did this like what are the clues yeah. it's really good i'll have to watch that yeah are you well versed in like plants and their names i am yeah like um, local ones or just i'm fairly familiar i have i mean i went to you know i went to school and i got my degree in horticulture oh, there's yeah. a lot of native plants classes that i had to go through to achieve that it's been a while since I've like really flexed my native plant muscles, but I still have a lot just stuck in my brain. Um, yeah. But the forte is more like tropicals. That's oh, my okay. favorite. But I really enjoy just, you know, going on a walk and knowing what I'm looking at because it's important. There's yeah. a lot of, there's an article that was written a while ago about tree blindness and how most people don't have any idea what trees there are in their yeah, community. It's a tree. Yeah, it's just a tree. This tree has, you know, needles. This tree is tall. Like, it's not really anything defining. It's just like, that's a tree. Yep. Okay, anyway. But knowing what trees are where can help you understand wildlife and the benefits that they have. And then also like pests and if the tree is sick or whatnot, you can you know, find out there. This is actually a, a fun story about the city is a couple years ago. It was like two years ago before we moved into this house. There was a tree across the street and it was cracked. It was a, he had a huge crack in it and there were two branches in the shape of a Y and it was like cracked right in the, the Y, you know, and I saw that and I was, cause you know, I pay, I look at, I'm looking at trees. I'm like, just paying attention to them and I looked at that and I was like this is gonna this is gonna break soon like it's not you know it's not just a regular like frost crack it's like a huge crack so I called the city and I left all right yeah I left a message because it was like after hours and I was like there's this tree on this corner of you know these two streets it's this kind of tree it's right across from this address it has a huge crack in it it's like going to fall soon like you guys need to cut it down as soon as possible I also understand the city has a lot of trees on their radar, but I got a message like I, I missed the call when the guy called me back, but he left me a message that basically said, ma'am, we're, we're aware that there's trees that need attention in the area. And, you know, we have, we have a lot of things we're working on and like, don't be so scared basically. And just kind of <laughs> like, you know, to, like, sh- you know, shoot me off. Like, yeah. it's fine. Like little girl, don't worry about it. And like, Two weeks later, there was a huge storm. It was in the middle of summer, so it was like a thunderstorm. No lightning hit the tree. It was just really windy. And this tree broke in half and crushed two people's cars. And I had this whole email exchange with me, you know, saying to the city, hey, this tree is a hazard, and them telling me, no, it's not. 
and two people's cars got crushed. And yeah. so I sent them the email conversation that I had and I like printed out the transcript of the voicemail that he left me. And I was like, here you go. Have fun suing the city. Do you know if they did? I don't know. I hope they did because it was a hazard yeah. tree that I reported and they didn't do anything about it. So look at trees in your neighborhood. Make sure none are going to fall on your house or your cars. <laughs> I mean, I guess they might not have because I imagine if they have car insurance, they probably have some sort of natural yeah, accident coverage. That's true. But I mean, I just feel like the fact that it was reported previously and they didn't do anything about it like changes yeah. that a little bit because it was reported as a hazard and they just didn't they didn't do anything. Yeah. If they did get sued over, it's definitely cheaper to send out someone to cut the tree than it is to exactly pay yeah the fun, exactly like, i mean for two people's cars it would probably take like i mean it would take a bit to cut down and like remove it because it was a big tree but alas yeah so yeah do you read any jared diamond no i saw that you have a book by jared diamond on the on your bookshelf might be casey's oh okay <laughs> what um, was it collapse yeah that's casey's oh, okay <laughs> um i haven't read that one but i've read guns germs and steel mm. which is apparently a popular book that people get assigned in college to read but it doesn't ring a bell I just read it for fun but um i don't remember exactly what he is but he has like a profession um i mean aside from an author mm -hmm. but he goes to papua new guinea a lot to like study people and nature there mm -hmm. and he talks about how the people that live there have like a huge knowledge of the plants in the area like that any average mm -hmm. new guinean knows like tens of thousands of species yeah just like in their head like mm -hmm. that's just knowledge that you need yeah to live there yeah and he talks about how that's just how everyone used to be back yeah. like before agricultural right like the agricultural revolution and that always really amazes me that because you, you kind of think like humans are getting smarter over time right but really i don't know i think we're probably just the same just now we have a narrower focus of what we know and we mm -hmm. like rely so much on external sources to keep track of things for us yeah so if anything we might actually be stupider yeah. now because yeah. we don't actually have to remember things that's true i do wonder though like i just feel like our like kind of what you said our knowledge focus has just changed a lot like because of agriculture we don't need to know what plants there are outside yeah. the only thing people care about is like you know like oh i bought this nice flowering like shrub and i want it to stay alive for landscape purposes and it's not super useful <laughs> to have that. Yeah, it's like aesthetically pleasing, but like what value does it bring to like the, you know, the community of plants in your yeah. yard or just in your like state even? Probably not much because <laughs> there's a lot of plants that get bred just for looks and they might be invasive species. There's a lot of invasive species that get bred and they have like less flowering capabilities, they say, like they try to breed the flowering out of them as much or the fruit bearing like ability. So then there's less of a chance that invasive species will spread, but yeah. it's it still happens. And they do that with buckthorn, which is one of the worst invasive species in Wisconsin. Like they have like a tall, you know, like they've bred like a columnar version of buckthorn, which just means it's like very up, very upright and narrow. Yeah. And it still can produce fruit or they say that they're all males, but then here and there, you know, there's genetic variabilities in plants. And then there's just more invasive species everywhere. And people uh, just roll my eyes at it but also people don't know which is what you were just talking about like people just buy things because they're pretty yeah. and they don't research them a lot of the time and then they put them in their yard and they either die or they they might just be propagating an invasive species in their yard and not even know it which is not cool <laughs> it's yeah. a bummer what do you think is the biggest issue with 
helping out invasive species? Like, how does it harm the ecosystem? Well, there's certain invasives that when they're growing, they have, it's called allelopathy, and it's, their roots essentially emit like a toxic, I'm pretty sure it's a pheromone, so that other things growing near them, they just can't grow. Mm. Like they die, which is amazing that plants can do that, but it's also sad because they're doing it like for evil purposes, you know, because they want to be the biggest, strongest plants in the area, and they're doing a great job. Garlic mustard is a huge problem in our forests in Wisconsin, and if you go into a forest in the spring, especially like a more urban forest, like around, you know, in the city of Milwaukee, it's just all garlic mustard, like all of it, the whole forest floor. What does garlic mustard look like? It's it's like a short green, um, like soft plant, like it's not woody or anything, it's just a soft green herbaceous plant. It has these little white flowers that grow on top they're just it's it's everywhere if you walk into a forest you will see it like and you can you can harvest it and you can make pesto and stuff like that it's edible but there's no way you're ever gonna harvest all of the garlic (laughs) mustard and like well we could start a pesto company garlic mustard pesto company that's true i mean i've made pesto from it and it, it does taste pretty good but also i'm like i don't know did something pee on this i don't know i I wash it but there's a lot of dogs in the city so i worry about that but yeah, it's it's a bummer. And then like, if you let it go to seed, then the seeds are just everywhere because they're tiny and it's just, it multiplies like mad. Yeah. Is that mostly just a problem with it like choking out other plant life or does it disrupt animal life too? It, it so it, yeah, it um disrupts plants and animals, unfortunately, because a lot of like butterflies and other things that need like this... So the layer of leaves in the forest is called, you know, people call it like the forest duft. And that's a really good like germination area for native plants like orchids or trilliums and things like that. And then also like, you know, swallowtail butterflies or maybe I'm actually not sure if monarchs hibernate in leaves, but I'm pretty sure they do. Um, Just different species of butterflies and things like that that we need. It's disintegrating over time because of invasive species and also because of worms actually earthworms aren't supposed to be here we're not supposed to have earthworms in our forest like they're an invasive species they are yeah they're from Where? europe oh okay yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of stuff from a lot of including yeah. us we're invasive yeah exactly species. so like who am i to say well, that they can't be here but oh, that's a good point that's that's a hard one <laughs> to hear yeah but um yeah it just dis- disrupts a lot of stuff and it's a bummer because then, I mean, so in the forest, there's supposed to be many layers, you know, there's supposed to be a very short layer at the very bottom. There's supposed to be like another layer, three or four inches up and then six inches up, you know, and then a foot, a couple feet, you know, small shrubs, flowers and stuff like that. But when it's just all garlic mustard and buckthorn, there's just garlic mustard and buckthorn. There's no multiple layers, you know, and... So, like, it destroys the diversity of a forest? Yeah, exactly. There's no diversity, and there's no... The earthworms destroy all of the leaf layer, all the leaf litter in the forest, and then it's just... Honestly, it becomes quite, like, sterile. Like, there's not a lot of stuff going on in there. (sighs) Which is really... It's extremely detrimental and really depressing. Yeah. I stopped enjoying walks in the forest after I learned all of the invasive species in a way because now whenever I go for a walk, I'm like, oh, there's some buckthorn, there's some garlic mustard, there's, you know, a dead ash tree, there's whatever, whatever. It's just like kind of depressing when you know what you're looking at in a way. Yeah. I feel that way about pesticides. Yes, pesticides. Are. And just overall animal population reduction. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's 
entirely in my head or partially in my head or not at all. But I feel like when I'm just out in nature nowadays, I mm. notice it just went much more quiet than I feel like it was when I was a child. Yeah, it's very quiet. It's and that's definitely I mean, people spray garlic mustard in the forest, you know, they they put pesticides on it. Yeah. And is it better or worse? I don't know. You know, it's like, do you let it take over and just leave it be, you know, because it's naturalizing itself and that's what's always happened in the world? Or do you try to control it and try to preserve the diversity of the forest, but also add a lot of pesticides into the forest and into like the water? Yeah, like I'd, what's better? I'd rather not do the pesticides and let it just grow. Yeah. Yeah. Or like for some reason, what they don't do in most cases is use actual targeted pesticides. Mm -hmm. They just use all purpose pesticides. That Lots of rounds. It's going to kill everything. <laughs> yeah. Which it's, I think it's just because it's faster. I don't know. And there's some, there are tons of like documented cases of there's an invasive species, maybe of ant or mm -hmm. of like plants, and then they're trying to kill them with pesticides, and they manage to kill everything except for the invasive species. Yeah, they're invasive for a reason. It's because yeah. they're strong. Like yeah. they're there because they're the strongest ones, and it's sad. I mean, there's a lot of feelings like native plants are dear to a lot of people. You know, like they grew up seeing them, and they're they're from here, you know, like if you're from Wisconsin and all these plants are from Wisconsin, there's like a kindred feeling, you know, yeah. like we've been here together. Like my family's always been here and these plants have always been here. Maybe your family used those plants in the past or whatever, but things change so constantly in the world, especially with us pushing it around like we are. And it's just inevitable that these things are going to happen. And it's almost like we should just let it happen sometimes, I wonder. But I love native plants. All of my favorite plants, like, you know, that are that are outdoor plants are some natives in Wisconsin that I just, like, adore. And it's sad to see them start to go away. But at the same time, what do I do about that? You know, you can make a prairie in your backyard and you can introduce some native plants there and kind of monitor them a little bit better. But in a forest setting, there's people who are doing the best that they can. And that's, that's all we can really do right yeah. now. You gotta just collect the seeds and hopefully yeah. reintroduce them later when we have a control on. But then the problem with that is climate change is happening so quickly that a lot of native plants aren't able to adapt quick enough. Yeah. Which is why invasives are creeping in more too, because colder winters and then springs that last a long time. And sometimes, especially in the last couple of years, there's been springs that have a really bad freeze after things have thawed and that kills off a lot of things. It'll kill off like tree buds. It'll kill off anything that's like starting to germinate in the leaves and then they're just dead, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the trees will leaf out again, but a lot of the more sensitive like plants and flowers that grow in the forest, they're not as protected. They're not as resilient because they're not like a woody species. They're more of like a soft, you know, soft plant, herbaceous yeah. plant. So one thing that I don't know why it made me think of this because it's not really even that connected, but one thing I learned was that basically all of the UK they don't have any natural forests anymore. Mm. They're all like manicured, mm -hmm. basically. So that whenever you see any footage of like a uh, some movie that's supposed to be like medieval, yeah, the people that are I don't know well versed in what forests are supposed to be automatically know like oh this isn't actually like mm -hmm. an authentic what it would look like during this time. This isn't a real forest. <laughs> like you, you can immediately tell like this is a modern forest. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, kind of have... losing that worldwide too. Oh yeah, definitely. Things have changed. There's not a lot of old growth left. Like yeah. there's some, you know, there's some on the West Coast, but things have changed a lot and that's that's I I try I mean I was really depressed about it when I was in school and I was learning about it, but like as time goes on, I just can't 
I can't let myself be that upset about it anymore yeah. because I can't do anything to stop it. And like, I appreciate what I have and what I see, but I don't know that those plants are going to exist if I ever have kids, you know, like when yeah. they're ready to understand that. But yeah, on some level, it's like, it's not even appropriate to be sad about things like this because that's just the way of nature mm -hmm. like species rise and go extinct and it yeah. happens all the time but i think yeah totally sad about it when it's clearly human caused yeah like it it wouldn't have happened without our meddling right exactly i mean most invasive species have been brought here by humans in one way yeah. or another because they think it's pretty <laughs> yeah. and they have to have it that's... i know in the u.s Tumbleweed is one of the worst invasive species because mm. that takes up literally like states worth of space. Yeah, that's true. You just go to like Utah, like it's all tumbleweeds. <laughs> there's like there's like inhospitable land because it's just miles of just tumbleweeds. It's wild. It's like almost impossible to get rid of them or build there because they're just in the way and they're so it's so strange. Yeah, they're very strong. Yeah, like invasive species are just strong and they can just bust through things. It's I don't know. It's yeah. admirable in a weird way. Because they just, I don't know, they're very dominant. Yeah. But then I'm sad because I'm like the native species in this world. Like, I'm getting like tumbled on, you know, by tumbleweeds of humans. Yeah. You know, human tumbleweeds. But I don't know. I will protect them as much as I can, which is just me planting them in the yard and pulling out garlic mustard whenever I walk by it. Yeah. Telling him that I hate it and walking away. <laughs> like, I hate you. Although, I guess from another perspective, it's mostly true that really all species started out as invasive species yeah not I mean, everywhere but in in a lot of cases in these... a lot of cases but like i mean if you i mean just like you talked about in guinea right like yeah. you said that they i mean I'm, i assume they work well with nature because they understand it and they take care of it same with like indigenous people in the in you know the u.s before europeans came and destroyed everything because people worked with nature in the yeah. past but now we're very far removed from it and that's why it's important to know what's around you and like when i walk in the woods with the dog or with casey or whoever i can point out you know over 20 things that i can just munch on right there so like if the world ever ends i'm fine i can just eat things that i find but like a lot of people don't have that knowledge and it's really cool to yeah. it feels like ancient knowledge you know it's like it, yeah. it's like hidden and like special and like I'm harnessing some like ancestral thing, you know, like I just know these things yeah. and it's, it's very useful to me because I, I like to spend time in the woods and I like to munch on things. So best of both worlds. Yeah. On, on the one hand, it seems like really impractical knowledge, but then it also seems super practical yeah. too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I get most of my food from the grocery store, but in the spring and summer, I enjoy collecting some like black raspberries or like you know, making garlic mustard pesto or like going to forage for mushrooms or whatever yeah. it is. But at the same time, I, you know, I try not to, I kind of have a problem with people who forage a lot in the forest because it's not food that we need to eat. Yeah. Like there's animals who need that way more than we do. And so I try to leave it as best as I can. Like the forest has a use for it. Yeah, itself. exactly. And like, there's, I'm fine. Like I can go to the store and I can eat things, but if there's a deer that even though you know deer have their own problems with like being invasive yeah. if there's some sort of animal that's trying to find a snack and i just ate all their black raspberries that's not very nice of me like yeah. i should leave it for them that's kind of how i feel but i will take garlic, garlic mustard out of the woods <laughs> at any chance and do whatever with it yeah although i see a different perspective on that as well that i feel like is valid 
yeah, I guess you don't necessarily need to be foraging from the woods. But if that foraging is reducing the amount that you're buying from the grocery store, mm-hmm. that's like the very epitome of eating local. Right, right. So like you're, you're reducing like carbon emissions and mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. Because everything you're buying from the grocery store is probably from California or China or right. yeah, somewhere or far away. The only thing with that is like for me and for like the foods that we have around here, we don't have a lot of like... I mean, if you were in, like, the tropics and there was, like, mango and, like, papaya everywhere and coconut, like, that's awesome. But here we have, like, nuts and berries mostly and then, like, you know, some some leaves we can eat. And that's – you kind of have to – you can supplement it with, like – like, I've made muffins out of, you know, black raspberries or, like, making the pesto. That's a great example. And that can reduce some of the things we buy at the store. But overall, I don't think that you can really, like, eat completely – like wild you yeah. know it would take a lot of effort yeah not completely but like i don't know if you forage for mushrooms then mm-hmm. you don't have to buy any mushrooms in the grocery store yeah perhaps. that's very true yeah i mean it's it's a good way to supplement your groceries for sure as yeah. long as you're doing it responsibly and you're not being a jerk about it because people collect ramps in wisconsin do you know what ramps are no they're like these wild onions essentially and they people go crazy for them because they are like this big food trend essentially and they just taste like onions <laughs> like they are fine they're not like you know truffles or something but people dig them so they like have a very slow life cycle it takes them like years to get to maturity mm-hmm. and so people they grow with a bulb and then they have these leaves above the ground and if you trim like let's say there's a plant with like six leaves on it and if you just trim like two or three of the leaves it'll be fine and it'll grow back the next year but a lot of people want that little bulb that's yeah. in there. And unfortunately, when you remove a bulb from the soil, that's the whole plant. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. And it's not, it's gone now. So when you dig that out, you're not only disturbing the soil, which, you know, can stir up seeds for invasive species, but you're also removing the whole plant. Like, yeah. it's just gone. And I don't like when people do that. <laughs> you don't need to do that. You know, in that case, it's more responsible to go buy some onions at the store. Right. Sure, the flavor is not exactly the same, but you're also damaging the forest by taking them. Do you eat the leaves then? You can eat the leaves, yeah. Does it's, that have any sort of oniony it's like flavor? A, it's is like it a different? scallion. Yeah, it's like oh, a green okay. onion flavor. Does it have the sort of like consistency of a green onion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like flat rather oh, okay. than like round. I actually know a few people who either want to be or are frugivores for that, that kind of reason. Mm-hmm. That like if you are eating a cabbage, like that's the whole thing that yeah. was in the ground. Yeah. Whereas if you're eating an apple, like... The, the thing that it comes from is still intact. Yeah. And you're not you're killing not, anything. You're not ruining the whole plant by eating it. Yeah. You're yeah. not disrupting, like, p- potentially years of, of work. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I with that, I, I feel like if it's a agricultural food like beets or, like, potatoes or something, as long as you're, you know, being mindful. Because you can, you can save a few potatoes and you can replant them. Yeah. It just takes a little more effort. As long as you're being mindful, I guess. But I, I, I never, I kind of understand, but I don't also don't understand that Same. that type of person. Like yeah. I, I don't, I kind of get it, and I also am like, I don't know, man. It's just also just a beat. Like yeah. it's fine. So can you give me a lesson um, on how to identify edible plants? Is there any sort of like thing they have in common? There, it's no, it's it's really tricky. Like you can't depend on anything ever. Yeah, it's not like snakes that you can know. Like those are poisonous because they're that color yeah i wish but no especially with you know plants vary on their growing conditions on 
if there's like a plant in Wisconsin versus a plant in Illinois, they could be the same plant, but they could still look a little different, you know, where you still might have a second guess of like, I don't know, is this the same plant just based on where it is? It's it's really tricky because I don't want anyone to be like, oh, this person said I could eat this. So I'm going to eat it and then I'm going to die. Is there any sort of test you can do? You can eat it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like the the only thing that... Yeah, there's nothing. There's no like, you could just have to do a lot of research. Like rub it on your skin and see if it hurts after an hour? Well, no, because there's there's stinging nettle, which will really hurt your skin, but you can blanch it. it and you can eat it and it's just yeah. fine. So it's it's difficult. There's no like tried and true method of knowing what's poisonous and what's not. But once you start to study plants that are edible, you can kind of look at things and start to estimate like, oh, I think this is in the same family. So this is probably okay to eat. Is that a thing? Like if it's things in the same family or tend to have the same like characteristics Most of, of the, yeah, because isn't aren't uh, potatoes in the nightshade family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the nightshades like well, kills you. Well, there's like potatoes and tomatoes are both nightshades, yeah. and then there's there's like a plant around here. I can't. It, it is a nightshade, but I don't remember like the whole name for it. But this is tiny. Looks almost looks like mini tomatoes. Yeah. I think the Latin name is like solanum something, but I I think it was false that they were actually poisonous. Um, oh okay. Because you know back in the day people thought tomatoes were poisonous because they were eating on. Were on, they like, not? They weren't poisonous. They were eating them on some zinc or copper plates or something. And that's and what was causing it, Yeah, it was causing yeah. a reaction. And then they would get sick. But tomatoes, I don't think they've ever been poisonous. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good to know. I was yeah. under the impression that tomatoes were poisonous and we bred them out of being poisonous. I don't like think we, so. I think we've done that for almonds. Almonds. I know that the... out. No, that's a cashew I'm thinking of. Because as far as I'm aware, almonds in their like quote-unquote natural states mm-hmm. before we have bred them over the course of years mm-hmm. they're poisonous to eat that sounds like totally could be a thing yeah. i know cashews like their fruit is very poisonous but the nut itself like the seed is not poisonous oh, okay but have you looked at a cashew fruit i don't think i've ever seen like a whole cashew they look messed up like the before like they're just crazy you you'll have to see it later cashews look wild they're like i don't know you'll just have to google it Google yeah. cashew fruit. <laughs> it looks yeah. wild. We'll do that. Okay, can you can you um like tell me one kind of edible fruit that I could find in the forest yeah. and like what it looks like? They're the best. So I can go one. looking. One one of the best ones, in my opinion, is our black raspberries. They, I mean, when you see them, it's gonna be in like midsummer, late summer when they emerge. They ha- they just look like red little red raspberries. Like the same color. Yeah, they're oh. they're like you know, a bright, dark reddish. Um, They're a little bit smaller than a raspberry that you'd see like in the store. But when you see them when they're red, they're not ripe yet because they turn black, like pitch black. But they grow on what they're called brambles. So the the vine itself is going to be like a, they're really pretty actually in the winter. You can see them really well because they have like a purple stem and then there's almost like a dust on them. It's not actually dust, but it's like a very like, it's like a white cast on the stem. And then they have, they have thorns. So don't yeah. just go climbing in there because like you want to because there's berries everywhere, but the thorns are super painful and they are like hooks. So they like hook into your skin. So that's awesome because <laughs> they don't want to be eaten. But they, yeah, they turn nice dark black. They have um, like large leaves with like three points. Kind of almost looks like a maple leaf, but a little different, like a nice textured leaf. But yeah, they turn dark black in the late summer and they're delicious. That kind of thing always makes me question like everything a little bit. How like... (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Some fruits or vegetables have defense mechanisms that Mm -hmm. seem like obviously if they were to want something, which I don't think they can, but you know, Mm -hmm. basically 
their evolution is saying like i don't want to be eaten yeah but in a lot of cases it seems like these things should want to be eaten because for instance like birds eating berries that's one of the best ways they disperse right and that's exactly the case with the blackberries too with the black raspberries is that birds can eat them and then the seeds get distributed which is like great for them because then they just get distributed I don't know why they have thorns. I mean, maybe it's for people like us, you know, because we're not birds. Birds can just land on right. like a stem and just yeah, like it eat might be it. a perfect pairing of like they want birds to eat them because birds fly and yeah. we'll distribute them far and wide. Yeah, but not won't. us or bears or something, you know. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've reached in to a black raspberry bush because I see some beautiful berries in there and I just scratch up my whole arm, but it's I still go back to it. That's the thing is like, I'll never not go try and eat them because I know that they're tasty. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if it's working or not. I don't know what's next with the black raspberries, if they'll like develop something else as time goes on. Yeah, well, I'm sure that'll take, you know, 200 <laughs> eons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One memory I have that was is really great. Well, it's a series of memories, I guess. Um, I was in France staying with a family. I've probably told you about that before, but we had a raspberry bush. Mm-hmm. They, they had a raspberry bush right outside like their front door. Mm-hmm. Then it was like... I don't know, October or something, and they finally were like full size. And so then every morning for like a week, I just walk outside and like pops them off. And I never had like actually plucked raspberries off the bush before. They're just so satisfying to pull off the little bulbs. Yes, they are. And it's just a little like white thing left over. And they're they're perfect. We have a raspberry bush outside. So in the summer, you'll have to munch on them. Oh, yeah. And raspberries are my favorite fruit. They're Yeah. And these, I mean, they ripen in the sun and they're like so big and like juicy and they're like, they're perfect. They're so good. And it's like a huge bush outside. It's really nice. There's nothing that beats like fresh fruit, you know? Oh, yeah. And like, that's why I love having little snacks from the woods because it's just these like nice little treats that you get as you're walking by. It's like a very special thing. I do feel very like... I know I always like say thank you, which is like silly, but I'm always like very grateful towards the, you know, the blackberry, the black raspberry bush or like the forest in general, just like thanks for existing. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good attitude to have. I think depending on how people take it, I get a little bit skeptical because I don't know, there's this sort of like nature spirituality that some people have, Mm, but I think they're, they're taking it too far. Like, I mean, like, the raspberry isn't sentient. Right, of course. But at the same time, like, being thankful of nature. It's more and, like, for me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know there, that there's, like, a, f- a fake, like, spiritual nature lover who is, you know, like, they're like, oh, I love nature. It's so awesome. But then they, like, you know, don't have any really sustainable ideas or practices. They don't really understand or respect the forest. They just, you know, like, maybe they have a campfire in the woods and then they just, like, leave it there. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you really appreciate it for what it is or if you just kind of have this facade that you just put up to like have this certain image which I really just I mean that that makes me sad because I see a lot of people who do like you know they take too much from the woods and they maybe they post a bunch or something that kills me is people who you know there's tons of really beautiful spring wildflowers like that's my favorite time to go look in the woods for things it's just to observe the flowers that come in the spring because if you have like a really nice wooded area that has like a lot of natural flowers that have just been there for a long time it's it's gorgeous like it's it's amazing so walking in the woods when there's spring flowers is like breathtaking but unfortunately people love to pick flowers and there's just been times that i've seen people like you know back in the day when i was on instagram people just posting things online of like look at this basket of flowers i picked and it's like all like you know protected species 
like you you shouldn't be picking them because it's just damaging like there's no point in picking them it's just for you you know yeah. like it's just for the person who is doing it just so they can i don't know like i don't like to treasure this this thing i guess or to like post a photo of it and be like oh i'm like in the woods picking things i don't really know what the like feeling is behind it but just that really makes me sad to see that <laughs> when they pick these flowers or when people do is it like ripping them out of the ground entirely I so mean, that they won't grow back or is, is there a way to pick flowers to make them still there's some flowers grow? that you can pick and it's fine like you know if you're like walking along the street and you see some daffodils just like growing there like in the spring like daffodils are fine like they're not they're not an endangered species they're not you know a species that's in peril at all if you pick it it's not the end of the world but if you're walking through the woods in Wisconsin and you see like a trillium, which is like a really lovely, like three-petaled um, spring flower, and you pick it, it's it's an endangered flower and it's a protected flower, and it just sh it just shouldn't be picked because it's endangered. You know, like there's not that many left, and that's probably mostly because of garlic mustard, and yeah. also because of like erosion and things like that, and earthworms and all that. But then there's there's some plants like there's um, a certain type of orchid that grows in like near Devil's Lake that is like completely illegal to pick. Like you can't pick it. Like if you, you know, people do, of course, yeah. but it's like to the point where, you know, and this is what I'd mentioned earlier, people poach plants because these plants become very valuable as time goes on and they start to they start to be so rare that people start to really want them. And that's when it starts to become really dangerous because then people take them out of the wild and they maybe try to cultivate them or maybe they just sell them from, you know, stealing them from the woods. It's like weird because why would anyone like, it just, for me, it's just like such a foreign idea to like steal something out of the woods and then like sell it to someone else. I mean, whatever makes money. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's what's happening right now in like places like Thailand and Indonesia and things like yeah. that, where they grow tropical plants. Like tropical plants right now are booming. Like ever since the pandemic started, people have been spending more time at home and they decided they want more plants. And if you have Instagram and you follow, you know, some maybe some plant influencers or something like that, like these people just post an aesthetic photo of a very specific plant that's maybe it's hard to come by or maybe it's like a, a specimen plant that's really beautiful. And then everyone starts to want it, you know, yeah. and then that's when people in countries that have rainforests and jungles say i'm gonna go get th that plant's just growing in my backyard or oh, i saw that plant in the jungle the other day i'm gonna go just rip it off the tree it was growing on and then sell it to people in the u.s who have no idea or even people in the same country you know which part of me can't blame them because they're just profiting off people's trends which right now you know house plants are very trendy but i'm also like you're destroying things yeah. and like i get you have to make money but like that's not the best i can't i can't judge people how for how they make money but that's not the best thing i just wish it wouldn't happen you know has your number of plants that you own gone up over this honestly no it's gone it's gone down because i'm like trying to rearrange my house so that it doesn't resolve revolve around plants anymore because i feel like that's selfish of me and i live with another person and i live with two dogs and i just don't want to have all i don't want to have just my things everywhere like, I never consider myself a collector of anything because I don't collect stamps and I don't collect, like, <laughs> buttons or whatever else people collect. I don't even know. But then I looked at my plant collection one day and I was like, holy shit. Like, I have collector. so many plants. I'm a plant collector. 
I don't, for some reason it didn't ever register because they're just like there and they're just integrated into my life. And they're not like, it's not like someone collecting like, you know, signed baseballs or something where it's like, here's my baseball collection. You know, it's just like, I just live with them and they're there and I don't even really think about them not being there or being there. They're just like a part of my life. Yeah. Which I don't know. It's like kind of weird. <laughs> so I've been actually trying to size down a bit because I don't, I don't need this many. <laughs> And I'd like to focus on the ones that I really love instead of just having like as many as possible. Yeah. So when you say plants are protected or like they are, it's legal to pick them. Mm -hmm. Do people actually get in trouble for doing that? I doubt it. I mean, I, th I think the only way you could get in trouble is if you, I don't know, I guess if someone happened to walk by and see you do it, or if like yeah. you were leaving the forest and like someone saw you with like a pocket full of like lady slipper orchids or something like that. But I, I can't see how they would persecute someone. I don't know how they would even find out because yeah. you're mostly alone in the woods. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that kind of thing always seems really hard to regulate. Mm -hmm. Like fishing licenses and yeah. that kind of thing. That's probably a little bit easier at least because hunting seasons or fishing seasons are like a, a big thing. And right. you kind of have to be in a location for it. Mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. a, along a river if you're going to be fishing. So DNR agents can find you and ask for your license. But yeah, just like wandering through the wilderness picking protected flowers. I feel yeah. like no DNR agent is going to catch you doing that. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, there's not as much value placed on those things as That's I'd true. Like. They're probably not even on the lookout for that <laughs> Yeah, either. exactly. Like it's a, maybe it's a rule, but do they care about it yeah. as much as they would a fishing or a hunting license? Probably not. Yeah, are they willing to have a whole department of people looking out for... Right, exactly. I mean, some poaching. some places will like fence off certain areas and put a sign up that says like don't go past this you know because we're trying to grow native plants yeah and that's great but not everywhere has that i mean i don't think that honestly too i don't think most people are like ill-intentioned when they pick flowers from the forest i think they just don't know maybe they just see they're just that's what they do they see a beautiful flower and they want to pick it and take it home so they can enjoy it for a few days but if you think beyond that it's like you might enjoy it for a few days but you just like completely ruined this thing yeah <laughs> And it's not the greatest thing to do. Well, completely off topic here, but mm -hmm. um, do you think that anybody's ill-intentioned when they do really much of anything? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes you, you, you do something to a person out of spite or like you want to get revenge on them. But I feel like even if you're poaching like animals mm -hmm. or like even if you're engaged in like, I don't know, drug dealing that uh -huh. are like, you know, drugs that kill people. Right. Like fentanyl or whatever. I feel like most cases people probably are doing it not out of ill intentions and the fact that it's bad is or the fact that they're doing bad things is more of a consequence of their ignorance of it rather than yeah any sort of desire to cause harm i think too well i think people do do bad things definitely but i think a lot of the time they might not think about it as bad because they're so focused on taking care of themselves yeah like with you know drug dealing or poaching they're just yeah. trying to make money you know and that is kind of ruling their brain at that time so they don't see it as I'm doing this because I want to hurt people. It's more yeah. of I'm doing this because I have to survive and I don't have any other option or the other options aren't attainable to me right now. And that's very unfortunate. But that's why I, when, you know, I can't blame people for what they do a lot of the time. And like, I just can't, I don't think anyone should really treat anyone too harshly because no one really yeah, knows why judgmental. you're doing something. You know, no one knows why you're doing that. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of thailand and mm -hmm. plant poaching there 
There's also a few other bad things that happen in Thailand. Um, a few. <laughs> yeah, more than a few, actually. I mean, in, in any country, really. Right. But each one has their specific set of bad things that happens. Um, in Thailand, if you go there, um, you should probably be really careful about where you go if you want to see animals. Like, if you want to see tigers or if you want to see elephants. I'm pretty sure there are zero tiger sanctuaries in Thailand mm-hmm. that are ethical, mm-hmm. that they actually treat the um, tigers well. And then lots of elephant sanctuaries are pretty messed up too because it's actually really terrible for elephants' backs for, for people to go on them and to ride them. I believe that. And most <laughs> elephant sanctuaries, like, that's part of it. Like, you get on the elephant, take a picture for yeah. fun time. A lot of the cases, they um, treat the animals really poorly and they, like, drug them and mm-hmm. deprive them of, like, food and whatnot so that when the people get there, like, you can feed them. and mm-hmm. Or in... Um, like the, the Philippines, they have, um, is it manatees or is it killer whales? One of the two that you can go to this area and then like feed the killer whales, except it's really bad for the ecosystem because the whales are just fed constantly. Mm-hmm. So they're staying in that same place oh. all the time because mm-hmm. they know it's a consistent source of food. And they're really supposed to span the entire ocean, right? swimming around and interacting with all of the ocean ecosystem rather yeah. than just staying in one spot. That's hard. Whether it's plants or animals, you probably should look into it as much as you can. Yes. Where it's coming from. I think that's a good rule for like pretty much anything, honestly. Just do a lot of research on things. A lot of people, I don't know if they want to put that effort in. <laughs> yeah. That's actually one of the reasons I was talking to you about earlier before we started recording of how I don't really own and own much. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I don't own much because I don't really want to put in the effort to researching things. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just not buy the things. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. It also makes life easier when you have to move or just yeah. do anything. I'm really I'm trying to get rid of a lot of things that I have because I don't need them. <laughs> I don't feel like I need them anymore. Yeah. I had held on to a lot of things in the past. And like in the house I grew up in, it was very cluttered. And I feel like that was just like a screen, you know, like a distraction. But when I was li- a little kid, I would, like, alphabetize the movies we had because I wanted some order. Oh, yeah, I would like, do that, too. It's like, why Why would I? Why would we do that? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, oh, this is fun. We had, like, 300 VHS tapes, you yeah, know, like Disney so tapes. Yeah, and I would, like, literally alphabetize them and then sometimes be like, oh, let's do colors instead. Yeah, or, like, let's do by uh, release date. Yeah, or, it's like, know, why? Let's group Disney movies together. Yes, and, and then yeah. Pixar in a different one. It's like just the need. I think humans crave order and understanding. Yeah. And like for me, when I was a kid, I needed to like understand things. And like I needed to work hard to like just have my own little you know, piece of like, okay, I know that this is every- everything is fine over here. Yeah. It's just strange. I mean, I still think that's probably a good thing to do on average to like to create order in your little part of the universe. Yeah, definitely. Makes it easier to, I don't know, focus on other things. Yes, I agree. That's something that I've when I talked about what I've been doing over the last five years, that's something I've been working on is just trying to, that's why I'm getting rid of some plants too, is because I'm trying to refine what I really want in my life right now. And most of the things I have, I don't want, like I don't want or need them. Like when's the last time I picked up this book or when's the last time I like opened up this notebook that I have? Like I've recently got rid of some of my school stuff because I was like, do I really need this whole notebook full of things that I'm never going to open again? Right. And like, I have a lot of the knowledge in my brain and then like I was also like well I have the internet (laughs) I know that's like a bad thing to like think or say like to rely on the internet but I don't want to carry around like 
notebook after notebook yeah. when I can just quickly Google something. I'm not going to look through all my notebooks to find an answer to something yeah. in, in reality. Maybe like in the 70s, you'd have to like do that. But like, I don't have to do that and I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah. For school, I just kind of like refuse to buy textbooks because yeah, I can just find anything I need on the internet. Yeah. Also buying textbooks overall is just a scam. Oh, it so, is. Yeah. The prices of textbooks has gone up like 8,000% yeah. in the past 30 years. Yeah. I'm not. I think I, when I, I made was up those numbers, but 8,000% facts. It's um, definitely a fact. Um, <laughs> when I was like, when I was in school, I think I probably bought like three textbooks for the whole three years I was in school because yeah. I was, I just, didn't need them and also since i'm a nerd i already had some of the plant books i needed and i had already read them nice. like how plant works by linda chalker scott and I'm like oh i already read that book cool and i don't know it's funny unfortunately there are a few i do have to buy because now with like online schooling during coronavirus there's like these online programs that only you only have access to if you yeah. buy the ebook or whatever and they're so expensive too yeah which doesn't make any sense because it's a fucking pdf right like that should cost 130 dollars. i know i yeah i had to buy one when i was in school and i think it was literally like 150 dollars. and then like it was a subscription you had to buy and then also a pdf slash book so it was like 80 dollars for the subscription for a year and then you know 100 and some dollars for the actual like a pdf yeah. like it's oh a my gosh I hate it. Like, I hate that so much. I don't have any money for school stuff. When you're in school, you don't have money right. most of the time. And there's so many sources that, like, you can find online. You can find the free versions of the books online, almost any book. So if you have a class that does not require some specific access code, right. just get the free books. Right, exactly. But it's awful when but they require the access yeah, code. Yeah, exactly. Especially for, like, math classes. I feel like that's the one that is usually, like, expensive in my experience. Like, you have to buy a math textbook and then you have to buy like you know an e-learning like program yeah. too but then i'm also like okay so it's graded when you submit it through the program so what yeah. is this teacher doing for me not much like all you're doing is not answering my emails and then yelling <laughs> at me when i don't turn my things in because i don't understand them so yeah did I, you have was this last semester it was yeah before i dropped out of my last school <laughs> <laughs> i was like having such a hard time with my math my math class and did you have any like virtual like class periods no yeah then your teacher shouldn't have existed she doesn't really. like okay so it was all like self-guided learning there were no meetings there was no like discussion board talks there was nothing yeah and, and then, then your I, class itself probably cost like $800. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. So then the actual class cost. And presumably normally that's like, I'm paying the teacher. Right. That that's what sense. I always like but, hope for. But in that case, you're, what are you doing? Yeah. I can do that job because all you do is don't reply to emails. <laughs> like I, I do that already right now. Like I should get paid to be a teacher. No, I know there's more to teaching than that in most cases. But and not in that case. Not in that case. I was just like a little annoyed during that time. Also that the school I was at was not treating me well so that's a whole different story yeah. you're going to a lutheran school yeah really a private lutheran school which made me want to rip my hair out yeah so. part of the curriculum was uh gay is bad yeah it was it was literally um homophobic and what else oh they victim blamed people you know women um yeah good times great school yeah awesome well i'm not there anymore so i'm fine yeah, that's good what <laughs> i'm just looking at the next subject is it fear no, well, I mean, it's healing properties of plants. Oh, yeah. What? Okay. Sorry, go ahead. I know. I was just, um, my question is going to be general. Like, what? What? What, what is? <laughs> just what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Are you into, like, the... Uh, Adaptogens. <laughs> using plants for specific, like, 
medicine medicinal purposes no so what i meant by that topic was more of like the mental health boost you get from plants in my case at least from being around them or yeah from being around them well there's already like studies that have come out that have shown that you know walking in the forest is really good for your mental health and things like that and I, i think why so many people started flocking to house plants once you know coronavirus started happening is because it does make you feel better a lot of the time to have plants around you most of the time unless it's a chore to take care of them which is what you said earlier (laughs) um but i think that so many people were finding themselves like isolated and sad during especially the first couple months of the pandemic when we knew even even less than we know now everyone wanted to fill their house with some greenery because it makes you feel better yeah living in a less artificial environment yeah less artificial still artificial but less artificial just that you get to care for something you know Mm. for me when i when my friend passed away the reason i got my dog was because i needed to like care for something i needed to like spend time taking care of something because i like couldn't take care of myself i needed somewhere to put my love and i needed somewhere to put my attention essentially because i i I wasn't like capable of giving myself any attention at that time so I got this needy ass puppy who would pee on the floor and chew on me and bark at me and get stuck under the dresser and like do all these things. And she was perfect, you know, perfect distraction and the yeah. perfect thing that helped me just move on a little bit more or not move on per se, but just like start to cope. And then with all my plants, I spend so many hours on my plants every week, you know, and it's really rewarding because there's something that I understand how to care for them and I put a lot of time into them and they give back to me in a way that I get to see them, you know, new growth and right. just a healthy plant that is also beautiful to look at. Do you, this, I've, I'm having many thoughts right now. Okay. <laughs> Do you think from your personal experience and what you've seen that plant ownership is more of a thing for women? I think so. Yeah, I do think so. Do you think that's due to like evolutionary girls having the like the mothership like wanting to take care of things need or -hmm. desire or whatever that's kind of ingrained into women generally speaking i think it could be a part of it for some people i also think there's a lot of like nurture women are taught to take care of things from a very young age you know here's a baby doll make sure you feed it and you cover it up at night and stuff like that whereas young boys are given like a monster truck and they just like throw it against a wall and they're like haha good job you know whereas girls are taught to be gentle and kind and like caring and just you know look out for others and compassionate and boys are just like oh look at that crazy kid smashing his head in the wall haha well he's just a little (laughs) boy you know like people do that and like that's something that's changing now luckily but the whole boys will be boys thing and then girls are expected to be this like pristine like caring mother figure for everybody but in general i think maybe women maybe they're more comfortable with their like caring side you know or maybe they're more like able to connect to that side because they have had that nurtured in them from their parents or grandparents or peers or whatever so maybe they're just automatically more comfortable you know just Mm -hmm. doing that but i think there's a lot of men of course who enjoy houseplants and like get a lot of joy from taking care of them yeah i just wonder if on average it's more of a female things you're talking about like taking care of the dog taking care of plants that's just a problem i have i just like to take care of things and people though that's like a personal problem (laughs) hold on i was just wondering like it gives it seems like it would give you a good reason for existing Mm -hmm. because something is like depending on you and right and being able to see watch something grow and like 
see something become like bigger and become yeah it's almost like a plan you have you know it's almost like you know for me it's like i have this plant and it's a little baby plant and in my brain i'm imagining what it's going to look like when it grows up and gets more mature and i'm like excited for that and it's like a little plan that i can try and follow through with and like when I got my dog, that was something that I had in mind too. I'm like, oh, I wonder what she's going to look like when she's six months old. I wonder what she's going to look like when she's a year or two years or how. Did it... you get your dog as a baby? Yeah, she was, um, I think she was eight and a half or nine weeks old. She was like a tiny baby. She was a demon baby. And I, I, I loved it, but I also had a hard time. I was already going through a hard time. Then I had an infant to take care of all of a sudden. An infant dog, you know. Yeah. I mean, And what you said actually, like, makes a lot of sense to me personally because during that time when I got my dog and why I started accumulating so many plants is because I have always had a hard time taking care of myself and so putting my care into other things has also helped me understand how to take care of myself better and if I neglect my plants they're going to die if I neglect myself I'm going to die you know mentally or physically whatever it may be it's it's nice to kind of in a way liken myself to the plants or the dog or just these small things of just like you have to keep your house clean. You know, you have yeah. to you have to do your dishes and cook food. You have to do all these things. It's just like you have to do that to yourself too. So like taking more responsibility over myself via the plants in a way. Makes sense. Yeah. Kind of push me to not be mean to myself anymore. <laughs> but that whole thing that you were just saying reminds me of something we were talking about earlier today of parenting mm-hmm. and whether or not dogs count oh, as yeah. or having a dog counts as being a parent Mm -hmm. it's such a gray area but as i said earlier i feel like parenting is just taking care of something Eh, but that's kind of like too loose i don't know i since i got sazia's little baby and i like i made her grow up you know i like i grew her (laughs) and she's now a really you know well socialized happy dog And part of that is just because of who she is, but also because I spent a lot of time making sure she was socialized and teaching her manners and just like how to be a good girl. And what is, what else is parenting, you know, teaching your child how to be a good person and making sure they don't die, feeding them. I don't know, like changing their diaper. I had Zazie pooped on the floor a bunch. Like, I feel like it's like, there's a lot of parallels. Right. So. And then the one thing that I thought of was that the difference may be in the fact that as a parent, for most, most cases anyway, is that there's this expectation that you're raising a thing so that it can be independent of you later. Mm-hmm. You're, you're raising it so that you don't have to keep taking care of it, it can take care of itself. Right. Whereas with a dog or a plant, that's not the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. The expectation is to keep it until it dies. Right. That's true. I think in that sense, people use people definitely use parent as a very loose term, especially when they're like, I'm a plant parent because it's like, are you a plant parent or do yeah. you just, you know, you have some plants and you water them every so often. They don't require constant care and attention. Yeah. A dog or maybe another type of pet requires more attention than a plant a lot of the time. And they don't require any sort of like behavioral right. like change or like right. discipline or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I feel like dogs, I mean, even cats are a bit more hands-off than dogs a lot of the time, yeah. in my opinion, because they don't have to go for walks. They don't have to go outside and a lot of the time people don't socialize their cats to be friendly around other cats or around people but having two dogs now is it's a challenge as you saw you know one of my dogs is not he was a stray and he was you know adopted and returned multiple times and he was from texas originally and he's just a psycho sometimes but 
that's because he had a weird puppyhood. You know, he didn't get he didn't get socialized properly and he doesn't have the trust that my other dog has who was raised from, you know, a baby and absolutely spoiled and like taken really well care of. Yeah. I always wonder about these things though, like with the so- socialization and the personality of your dogs, how much of it is nurture and how much of it is nature. Yeah. I mean, you know, the dog, the puppy that I got was, is a golden retriever, which is known for being mild mannered yeah. and really easy to train and really flexible and like just a good dog. And the other dog is a German Shepherd and Bull Terrier mix who both of those dogs are hard headed. They're both smart dogs and they're both like, I mean, Bull Terriers especially are known for being difficult to work with. So <laughs> it's yeah. probably both, especially in their case, because I'm sure the golden retriever would have turned out fine even if I hadn't done the best I could but the other one might have still turned out a little rough around the edges just because he's got it in his blood and his brain to be like crazy you know I feel like nowadays especially there's this assumption on the side of nurture most of the time Um, and maybe that's because it makes us feel good about Mm -hmm. life that we have control over things or to not I guess be discriminating whether it's dog breeds or like humans yeah like for instance i wonder if the thing you're talking about with the toys like giving Mm -hmm. a baby doll to a girl yeah or a truck to a boy like yeah there's certainly an element of nurture there we're making the decision to try and raise people this way and condition them to like these things yeah but then i also wonder if us doing that is reflective of nature like the reason we do that is because we notice these things we like maybe notice the difference in guys and girls right so we decided to embrace it and then like say like oh well you're you know gonna have babies someday so here's a little baby you can practice now yeah that's possible but also it's like i don't know women not all women want to have kids i just recently started wanting to even think about that you know yeah from my whole life thing i'm not gonna have kids ever you know and then a couple you know two years ago i'm like maybe maybe i could do that i was like against it you know very strongly against it for a long time yeah, I feel like I was talking to you a few months back. and Yeah, you it literally, it. well, yeah, I guess it changed more recently too than like more strongly because I was like very against it for a long time. But now I'm like, oh, it's possible. I'm just like growing up in like a rougher environment made me not want to put a kid through anything just yeah. in case, you know, out of fear. So I was just like, oh, what if like, I don't want them to go through what I went through. So I'm just not going to even try, you know. Yeah. But now that I have like a good partner in my life and I'm like, getting older and i'm starting to kind of understand life a tiny bit more i'm like maybe yeah (laughs) maybe someday and whether or not owning parents or owning plants (laughs) owning parents (laughs) or owning dogs counts as parenting it's certainly good practice yeah for, for parenting definitely better practice than not owning them yes i agree especially with the dogs because they are a handful and yeah i mean like i can't as close as you can get to a like substitute for yeah like i can't just come i can't just come and go as i please anymore you know when i was in high school and i could just like leave whenever i wanted to and stay out all night and just not tell anyone where i was and i was fine you know but if i did that now my dogs would starve and go to the bathroom inside and like be terrified you know because i i wouldn't have i have to keep them in mind they always have to be in the back of my mind making sure that they're taken care of and I miss not having the ability to just do whatever I want, but I also am more rewarded having them and like seeing them on a daily basis and knowing that we have a good really all of us have a good relationship. Yeah. That makes me think that perhaps not only did owning a dog slash plants, is it preparing you 
for possibly one day having a child. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's actually making you want one too. That's very possible. Because I, now yeah. you're seeing that like satisfaction and like reward from taking care of something. Yeah, that's very true. I didn't really have like a family dynamic ever. When I was really young, there was the most I've ever had of a family dynamic, you know, like before my mom and dad got divorced. And when I was really little, I was like, oh, I love my family. I love, I have three other siblings. I love my siblings. This is great, you know, but then as soon as they got divorced, everything just kind of got chaotic. And it was chaotic before that too, definitely. But at least in my mind, I was like, well, at least we're all together, you know, even though it was really terrible. <laughs> but I, I always felt close to my family. And then as soon as that happened, I stopped feeling like I, I missed them, you know, like yeah. things just broke apart. And from, you know, age like 13, I started feeling really alienated until recently at age almost 26. I finally have like a solid family dynamic again, even though it's with two dogs and my boyfriend. It's like the most I've had in a really long time. Yeah. So now that I see that I can have like a healthy family relationship and that there's not like arguing and there's not like an abusive person in my life anymore. I'm like, oh, maybe this is why people have kids because like yeah. they're not in a fucked up situation <laughs> and like they want to like have a family. And now that I'm, yeah, now you're probably right with that because I don't, for the first time, I'm not like having a hard time yeah. <laughs> in a long time. It makes me wonder too, because it seems like most families have pets. Yeah. And I wonder in all, like all these cases, is it usually that, the couple gets a pet and then a child rather than the other way around. Yeah, I So wonder. then for like most people, that pet makes them want the child because they've now experienced that satisfaction of making something grow. Yeah, I think, I mean, without a doubt in my mind, like pets definitely make a family, like for sure. Because you can have two people and, you know, just like, I don't know, a girlfriend and a boyfriend or whatever it is. And it's it can still be a family, definitely. You don't need a kid. You don't need a, a pet to make it complete. But for me, I, I grew up in a larger family and, it, you know, we always had a dog. We always had a couple cats. We always had pets. And I think I'm kind of recreating that familiar feeling in a way. Yeah. And it's bringing about some feelings of me just being able to take care of something and showing that I can have a stable environment and like a stable family has definitely made me feel better about that whole idea because before that, I was just, like, terrified of the concept. Yeah. Like, this little thing. Like, little thing I have to, like, grow inside of me and then push it out. And then it's just this, like, sighing or, like, crying, like, stinky thing. <laughs> like, I have to take care of it or it'll die, you know? Yeah. And since I, like, went through Zazie, my one dog being a little baby, and she... I mean, she ate a peach pit once, which is extremely poisonous. And oh. I thought she was going to die, so I had to, like give her peroxide to make her throw up yeah. she puked all over my legs and i had to look through her puke to make sure all the pieces of the peach pit came out so <laughs> i feel like i'm getting experience for the future if yeah. my kid eats like a lego or something like i can be like oh i remember that peroxide makes you puke you know like because yeah. zazie ate a freaking peach pit that one time and then i can i don't know i feel like maybe that helps I, yeah, I can at least probably. be a little bit desensitized if something does happen. I can, like, react more calmly because I've been through it already. Yeah. That's what happens when, you know, parents have lots of children. The first one, they're all paranoid about the kid's safety. By the fourth yeah. one, they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's very true. But then, you know, I have three siblings, so four total kids in my family. 
And it was like that my oldest sister was like highly scrutinized. And then my yeah. brother, he's the only boy in the family. So he's like special. And then it's just me and the middle child, you know. And then there's my little sister. Oh, you're also the middle child? Yeah. Yeah. Then there's my little sister who's like the baby and everyone loves her, you know. And then so it's kind of like my older sister, like if she was gone for a long time, I, my mom and my dad would get like so like scared. Like what's she doing? Where is she? And she'd get like yelled at. Yeah. By the time they got to me, not only had they gotten divorced and things had changed so much and my mom was so busy and my dad was gone, you know, that I would just be gone for like a week two yeah. weeks and no one even noticed i'd come back and like no one even said anything about yeah. it and would be like i i was just gone for two weeks like did you even know that i was gone yeah it's i've like, got a similar situation to that yeah it's when weird I was in high school it's very strange and like i wonder why i don't know they're probably like yeah she's fine quinn's quinn's fine <laughs> she's 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 smart enough she'll figure it out yeah and if i didn't i guess that was my own thing right <laughs> like i was already let go at that point to adventure yeah. on my own. Yeah, like your first kid, you don't let go of them until they physically leave the house. Yeah. Third kid, like after they're seven, they're on they're on their own. Yeah, exactly. You're just free. <laughs> You're free to do what you want at that point. Yeah. I did think of an experiment that I could do to to get some data towards this hypothesis of pet pets making you want children. Mm -hmm. So Adrian really wants a cat and yeah. has always really wanted a cat. And I wonder. She, and she doesn't want children at all. Right. So I wonder if we got a cat, maybe in two years, she would start to want a child. So you're going to experiment on your girlfriend. Possibly. <laughs> I mean, that would be very interesting because maybe she would just feel like it's more of a, fi a family dynamic at that point, you yeah. know? I really, I re for me personally, I really think it did help me feel like it was more of a family. Yeah. Like having, getting Zazie, even though I got her for a separate reason, just having her in my life and... I mean, I took on a mother role, you know, I was caring for her and making sure she didn't die on a peach pit. So I, I think it has to have some sort of effect. Yeah. Or maybe it's just that people who are already oriented to want a family are also more open to that having could pets. Also be it. That's the hard thing to know which way it goes. Yeah. Could be A to B or B to A. Yeah, exactly. Because I've always had a lot of pets and I've always yeah. had like a larger family. So. Oh, yeah. There was one subject I wanted to talk about actually a little bit. Mm-hmm that I was touching on earlier today, slightly. I just wanted to, wanted to say it because I've been thinking about it and it feels good to get my thoughts out into words. So with like dogs and dog ownership, uh -huh. I've never owned a dog and I like dogs just fine. I didn't as a kid. I, there was this one dog that my cousins had that I was just scared of and it would like terrorize me, chasing me around. Okay. And it was probably <laughs> having a fun time, but I was like, I thought it was trying to kill me. Yeah. So I was afraid of dogs for a little while. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of dogs now. But I, I don't know. I feel bad for dogs now. Like, I pity dogs. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because, like, if you compare dogs and cats, cats seem independent. They don't really need your love. Yeah. Sometimes they like to cuddle up with you and whatnot, but it seems like they'd be fine without you. Mm -hmm. Dogs, not at all. Right. Like, they're so needy. Yeah. Every dog I've seen, anyway. They're, they're like, they always come up to you and like when you come inside and they're all, like, so excited to see you. Yeah. And it makes me think, like, a dog's life seems to result like revolve around the attention from other people yes definitely and i mean to some extent that's just true of like everyone yeah like attention is the most important currency yes that was the thing i was saying earlier today and then it made me think of this movie have you seen ladybird yeah i love yeah. ladybird mm -hmm. i just watched it for the first time a few days ago and this added to that thoughts on attention oh, yeah. mm -hmm. so she's talking to a nun she goes to a catholic school and she lives in sacramento 
and a lot of the movie she's like talking about how she hates sacramento and it's like Mm -hmm. a boring bland place to live and she wants to live in new york yeah so she for her college admission essay she writes an essay about sacramento Mm -hmm. and she has her nun teacher read it right and she reads it and she's the teacher says like i can feel through your writing how much you love sacramento right and then uh ladybird is like i don't love sacramento yeah like I, (laughs) i i don't like sacramento i just pay attention yeah and then the nun says well don't you think they're the same thing yeah love and attention and i really like that yeah i like that too so yeah dogs they're really dependent on your attention they need they need a lot of love to be happy where right. cats need less love like the threshold right is lower yeah i i mean i agree with that completely i mean especially my two dogs personally i'm sh- i know that varies definitely between dog to dog and cat to cat but my dogs absolutely need like us to be around you know yeah. especially i mean zazie and i she we've been together for five years now you know from beginning of her life until now there's not a day that like i don't think about her and i don't want to be around her like we're both so connected at this point and it goes both ways like i wish i didn't feel so connected to her sometimes and i wish that she could do better without me sometimes but i don't know it's it's almost like i mean that's just how dogs are in a way you know they're like bred they're bred to be our best friends and they're bred to be loyal and caring and like weight on us essentially almost yeah and like i mean we we have a little we i can just i can go up to my dog and ask her to sit and she'll just do it without even anything like and she'll give me her paw she'll do all these things even if i don't have a treat she still just does it just because she's like oh yeah oh okay that sounds fine you know and it's like that's kind of astounding to me because it's just that level of loyalty that i'm and that's why i wanted a dog too because i've never had that in my life like when I was in my last relationship, I didn't have, it wasn't a very loving relationship. Mm. So to have a dog that loved me unconditionally was awesome, you know? And like to kind of replace that or to fill that hole that I had with like this dog who just was like the sweetest thing in the world and like wanted to be around me and wanted all, I can do anything at any point. If I want to go for a walk, she wants to come with me. If I want to go to the beach, she wants to come with me. If I want to just drive around, she wants to come with me. Like, no matter what I'm doing, she wants to hang out with me. And that's yeah. awesome because I've never had anyone that wants to do that. So, like... Yeah, I can see that appeal. Yeah. Just whatever you want to do. They're they're just down for it all the time. And they're excited, too. They're not, like, bummed about it or they're not passive-aggressive. They're just ready to hang out all the time. And that can be a li- that sounds a little selfish too because I'm sure Zazie wants to do other things sometimes, you know. Maybe she wants to, maybe I'm tired and I want to take a nap, and Zazie wants to play, but I'm really tired. So then, it's like no matter what I want to do, you know, yeah. like I want to do this, so we do it. So I try to keep her in mind as much as I can, as far as like, oh, you'd like to play more outside? Let's go do that, you know, because her life revolves around me and I revolve around her in a way but not as much as she revolves around me (laughs) you know that's that's one of the reasons i feel so bad for dogs though (laughs) is because they're so obedient yes and it's almost like they're slaves yeah and they kind of it kind of seems like it i mean also we like i like a lot i mean you can't lock a kid in your house alone for like six hours yeah but dogs especially 
when people work regular hours at work, like they, right. they have that happen to them all the time. And I'm sure it has no less of a psychologically damaging effect on dogs than it would on a human right. kid. Right, right. I mean, dogs get extreme severe, like severe anxiety from being left behind. Yeah. That's the only thing, like, that's the only thing you know is your person. And then all of a sudden they're gone for eight hours and you yeah. just have nothing to do. And you're locked in a house, like, with no way to communicate either. That's got to be traumatizing at times. I mean, yeah. I think that's why the other dog is so... I mean, he hates when we leave. He's He has very bad separation anxiety. He also only trusts me and my partner. So it's like, he's we're the only people he has. And he's very attached to us because of that too. So it's, it's kind of sad because he's been hurt a lot in his past. So. Yeah. And I wonder too, like with that, because from a dog's perspective, I mean, it probably seems like your eight hours of leaving, if you're going to work or whatever seems like a, a punishment or like like you don't love them. Yeah. So it could be like the experience of having like a bipolar mother or older brother who you can't, you know, trust their feelings towards you yeah. because one, one moment they love you and the next moment they seem to hate you. Yeah. With dogs, you have to like train that out of them essentially. Yeah. Like when Zazie was little, I would, I had her crate trained. So, you know, she would sleep in a crate at night just for her safety because she, so she wouldn't eat things essentially. So she would sleep in a crate at night, and then when I would go to work, she would be in a crate. Um, I also worked at a dog daycare for a while when I first got her, so she would come to work with me, which helped with her socialization. But I would just put her in the crate with, you know, a, a treat or a bone or, like, a Kong with peanut butter in it for 15 or 20 minutes at a time, just for no reason. Just put her in there, let her hang out, and then just let her out and not make a big deal out of it. Just let her out and walk away. And that kind of desensitized her to being in the crate. And then... Same with me leaving, you know, I would just yeah. leave for like five minutes. The house becomes the crate. Yeah, exactly. I would leave for five minutes or 10 minutes and then just come back and not, you know, not be like, oh my God, you did such a good job, blah, blah, blah. And like rub her and stuff like that. I would just walk in and walk out like yeah. it was nothing. And she's, her and I have a very secure attachment because of that. But Kaiju, the other dog, every time we leave, he cries and cries because he's never had a secure attachment in his life. And we've only had him for, you know, six or seven months. So we're still building that trust with him. But he's had, he's four. So he's had four years of mistrust and people abusing him and people leaving him and people like hitting him if he doesn't listen. And like, that doesn't just go away. Yeah. I mean, dogs are complex, compassionate creatures and the things we do to them affect them like forever sometimes yeah so it's a lot of responsibility as much as we get from them it's like we have to really make sure we're doing as much for them as they do for us i don't know <laughs> still i mean i feel like owning a dog could be good but i don't know if i can get past just how sad they always look even when they're happy they still look sad to <laughs> but me i don't i don't think they look just sad like the, the, the time. their eyes they just look like there's a deep hidden sadness that they can't escape <laughs> like they're like they're people souls like stuck in there and they're like right. help me yes. yeah <laughs> they're like, like trying to tell you that's funny yeah <laughs> that's sad too <laughs> so yeah another topic that i mentioned us we would talk about in the beginning of this is fear mm -hmm. um for me well i think for a lot of people fear has been an overarching thing in my life that's always like controlled a lot of me I grew up in a very toxic household that I didn't know was toxic until I got a little older. And like, you know, you look back yeah. on things. That's a good point. You can't really know it's toxic while it's happening. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when it was happening, I was like, I love my family and like, this is fine, you know? And I just kind of pretended to be happy. 
But when I look back, I mean, my dad, I haven't talked to my dad in many years at this point. He is an abusive alcoholic person who like beat my mom and like yelled at his children constantly and cheated on my mom and was just, he's literally such a bad person. Like, which I, I kind of feel bad saying that because I know deep down he's probably fine. You know, he just has some wounds that are hurting him yeah. and make him act a certain way. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. And he's very hurt. And I know that. And like that, that pains me to know that he's hurt. But there's that. And then, you know, my mom had to deal with that. And she had to raise four children. So my mom was, you know, she was working really hard and she was somewhat vacant at times because she was not only healing her own wounds, she was also trying to raise four kids, which is, how do you do that, you know? And then amidst that, we ended up losing the house that we were living in due to foreclosure because my mom was a single mother. And how can you support four children and like pay a house payment on a huge house that we had? So it was a very, there was a lot of fear because I knew that when my dad came home, it was either going to be really good or really bad. And if it was really bad, it was going to be terrifying because he would like came home each day or well he would whenever. leave he yeah. would leave for a long time and then just show up yeah. again so i knew if he came home and he was like in a bad mood or if he decided to fight with my mom or if he was going to drink a bunch then it was going to be a really scary time yeah and i remember being a kid and just being so afraid of him and being afraid that my mom was going to get really hurt or that he was going to hurt my siblings and i would have like nightmares of him you know and then as i got older i got really depressed when I started to realize like the things that had happened and the things that were just a reality, you know, that had just occurred, you know? So for a while in my life from like age, well, on backtrack a little bit. When I was 15, I was in a relationship with someone who was 18, who was a lot older than me. Yeah. And that's not cool. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. And that person was in the military and they left, like, after high school, they got deployed, or they were on basic training or something. And I was always afraid that they were going to get hurt or that they were just going to leave me because I had never been in a long-distance relationship. And also, I was, like, 16 at this point, and I didn't understand anything. So I was always afraid that that was going to happen. And then after we broke up, I kind of just lost it for a bit. You know, I was I was spending all this time being afraid of everything, and I just stopped being afraid of everything for a little while and I started drinking a lot and I started experimenting with drugs and I started just not giving a shit what happened to me you know I would just that's when I would leave for weeks at a time I didn't ever go to school I would just what caused that switch was it a decision no it was because that person and I broke up and so like it was just a thing that happened because of that yeah you didn't like Like, I do on purpose. Right. Like, I was devastated when he, yeah. we broke up. He broke up with me. He was the first person that I ever thought I really loved and cared about. And I also, and I was, I was codependent for sure. Like I wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a healthy relationship, which I couldn't, I was fucking 15. Of course it wasn't a healthy relationship, you know, like I didn't know anything and I feel like I still don't know things, you know? Yeah. After he broke up with me and I was just like, so sad, you know? And I was like, I thought we were going to get married and all these like silly things. And like, yeah, I just started doing all these reckless things. Like, and like, I could have gotten really hurt a lot of the time. And I was gone a lot of the time. I could have failed high school. I don't even know how I managed to scrape by because I was 
truant every year, you know, like I would go to art class and then just leave like first and second hour. And then I would just walk out and just have some sob story like, oh, I was sad. So I left or whatever. And luckily I got through that. But like, what was I like? Why? You know, I was so afraid and then I had no fear at all. And then as soon as I mean, there's been there's been a lot of things to contribute to this. But like once I kind of got through that phase in my life I looked back on all the things I had been doing and I was scared for like my past self you know I was like holy shit like what like why what did I just do you know I had I've been waking up in strangers houses I'd been like experimenting with drugs that I didn't even know what they were like I'd been hanging out with people that I had just met and like you know just doing things that I could have gotten murdered I could have gotten raped I could have gotten just anything could have happened to me. I could have, I mean, like even just driving in, under the influence or intoxicated, like that was the dumbest shit. Like, why did I do that? It's because I didn't care about myself at all. Like I was yeah. suicidal. I was depressed and like I had no fear of death and I just was stupid and a maniac. And then as soon as I started caring about myself again and starting to like try to heal myself, I started becoming scared of things again. Like, I started to, especially once my current partner and I got together, I started having this family dynamic that I talked about before and I started really caring that I was alive. Like I wanted to live and I wanted to like make sure I was here for my dog and here for my my uh, partner and like for myself too. And I think that really started to be put in motion. Like yes, when Casey and I started dating, but also when my friend passed away because I I hadn't been the best friend to her, you know, like after high school ended, we lost touch a little bit and I, I didn't really, like, I didn't reply to her sometimes, you know, and I didn't like make plans with her and, you know, she would reach out to me and I would just kind of ghost her or like not reply for a super long time or just flake out, you know, and be like, oh, I don't feel like it. And then, you know, she, she was the only person who was really nice to me in school and she's fucking dead. (laughs) And like, I didn't get a chance to tell her like how much I care about her. And like right before she died, we had made plans to finally get together after not seeing each other for years. And I just didn't get to do that. And I got, and that idea started scaring me that I could lose people at any moment, you know? And that like, I wasn't, the, the thing that scared me too is that I wasn't being as good as I wanted to be. And like, I wasn't being as good of a human as I had hoped I was going to be. And I really let, I let myself down and I let one of my friends down because I, I should have spent more time with her. You know, she was a really positive influence in my life and I should have spent more time with her. But obviously I can't change that. And now that I'm, I'm semi-okay most of the time, <laughs> which is such a bright outlook, I am afraid that... You know, I'm afraid of like falling back into something like that. And sometimes I'm, I'm afraid to, I mean, honestly, I'm afraid to just walk outside sometimes. Cause I'm like, I don't know, is some dude just going to like yell at me? Like, I just like to avoid situations like that. So sometimes I don't even want to take a walk with the dogs because I'm afraid that someone's going to like say something to me and then they're going to, I'm going to say fuck off and then they're going to like shoot me or like come out and just beat me up or something, you know, like. I don't know. I'm just, af- I'm afraid a lot. And like, that's something that I've been trying to grapple with a lot lately. Just that I don't want to be afraid of everything. Yeah. 
and I just want to do things and that's kind of what we talked about earlier too is just doing things but like it's more than that for me sometimes you know it's like there's more deep inside of me that I need to like dig out and like excavate and just throw away or something because I'm afraid on a very deep level of most things which I hate (laughs) yeah you gotta like find a balance of self-care and lack of fear or at least a I don't know, desirable amount of fear. Yeah, like a healthy amount of fear where you don't like walk to the edge of a cliff, but you also can take a walk. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice. Something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially because, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to live life like this. I'm doing well in a lot of aspects, but that's something that I've definitely just had a hard time with lately. Yeah. Is there a connecting factor to all of your fears? Is it, is it like a fear of death or is it a fear of losing other people or Or is it like just various fears that aren't really connected? I mean, I'm sure they're connected in some way. Yeah. But I think like, honestly, as like fucked up as it sounds, I'm not that afraid of dying. Like, I don't, not I don't care, but I don't like worry about it. Like, I'm more afraid of, you know, like if something happened to my partner or something happened to my dogs, I guess it's losing people for the most part. I've lost a lot of people in my life. And that's something that I struggle with too, is just loss is like, I've lost my friend from that friend that I've mentioned a few times. And then there's someone else in my life who had a very like tragic, violent death, who she was literally murdered when I was, when I had just graduated high school. And then I I lost someone very close to me when I was in middle school. And then I lost my dad, you know, not, he's not dead, but he's just gone. And then I, I, in some ways I feel like I've lost my mom a lot because she's moved away and she doesn't really reach out to me that often. Same with my two of my siblings. I only keep in contact really with one of my siblings. And then breaking up with my ex, we were we were really close friends for so long. And then unfortunately, when you break up with someone, when you were engaged, I don't usually want to be your friend. <laughs> so he doesn't want to be my friend. And like, I totally understand that. But I also just care about people and I want to make sure that people are okay. So I kind of want to be like, hey, how you doing? But he doesn't want to hear from me. And that's yeah. fine. I totally get that. But it's hard to have a lot of loss in your life and then try to just like not be afraid of things. Because if I lost my dog, that's like my worst nightmare is my dog runs away. You know, like I imagine one of my worst fears is that my dog runs away and I just never find her ever. Like I never find her body like dead or I just never find her at all. Because the the feeling of not knowing would like tear me apart and like drive me nuts. You could always put like a implant in her i've thought about that yeah i mean they have microchips but you have to like scan them i've thought about though getting a collar that has a gps tracker just insert a chip into her (laughs) a little tom tom (laughs) gps (laughs) and plug her in like a usb cord well i think isn't that a thing like you you can actually insert the microchips underneath the skin yeah yeah yeah. and then they like get scanned at like a vet and it says who owns it kaiju has one my other dog yeah. yeah which is weird you like scan the dog and it says i belong to this person yeah it's like a very strange concept imagine if people had that too you know like emergency contact just like scan my arm and it just like gives you their phone number (laughs) it's really weird but yes fear and loss difficult things that i've grappled with the past few days i've been thinking about how odd bizarre it is that humans are typically so afraid of death Mm -hmm. it's like you, you weren't asked to be to be put here. You weren't expecting right. to be put here. You just ended up alive. 
Yeah. Which I honestly wished I didn't a lot of the time because <laughs> I didn't ask for this. Like, who who decided that it was a good idea for me to just be born? Yeah. <laughs> like, no thank you. <laughs> you just come into existence and, like, you cling so hard to it for some yeah. reason. Yeah. It's the only thing you have, really, is yeah. life. You don't have anything else for sure. Yeah. And then one day you just die. I just, I think because I went through so much and I've lost so many people, it sounds harsh to be like, I don't care if I die. But, I mean, obviously I prefer living, I think. I don't really know, I guess, because I've never tried death. But, like... <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you can prefer, you know? I know, just, it just is. Right. It just kind of exists. But I'm like, I'm okay with the idea of death at this point. Yeah. And I'm not terrified of it. And I don't, like, I don't even think about it often as a, as a thing. It's just like, if I were to get, you know, crushed in a car tomorrow, I'm sure it'd be scary in the moment, but I, I think people, I know I, I can't know how I would feel because I'd be dead, but yeah. other people would be sad. My loved ones would be really sad, but I wouldn't be sad, if that yeah, makes you, sense. You can't be sad. I can't be sad, but also like if I saw myself, if I had like knew when I was going to die, like, and I knew how... I don't think I would be that, like, shook by it, as the kids say. Like, I don't think I would be that, like, I don't know. It'd be interesting for sure. But I wouldn't, like, be like, oh, fuck, now I have to, like, dread that day for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'd probably be like, cool, now I can, like, plan out the rest of my life. Like, It might be nice in that way. Then you can stop doing things that are bullshit. Yeah, then I can, like, quit my job and just, like, go live in, like, Japan for a couple years and, like, eat so much rice and seaweed and just, like... You already could. That's true. I don't have the money, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, how could would you do it then if you plants. find out you're going to die if you don't have the money? I don't know. I'd be like a make-a-wish kid or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know when I'm going to die, so give me money. i just make it GoFundMe. I don't yeah. know. Or whatever. <laughs> or maybe I'd like start doing really precarious, like risky things. Like I'd just start selling drugs or something because I like knew oh, that I was going to yeah, die in the future. Walter White, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Like Breaking Bad. That turned out perfect for him. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he died. So, spoiler alert. Yeah. So, do you think, like, you would say that you are ruled by fear generally or no? Honestly, if I'm being, like, true with myself, I think a lot of, I think a lot of my actions are ruled by fear. Especially in a, in a day-to-day -day way where if I don't, I mean, this happens at work sometimes, it would happen in my last relationship a lot that like if I don't act a certain way or if I don't say a certain thing then there's going to be a negative consequence and so instead I'll do this you know like instead I'll be more mild-mannered or yeah. instead I will like just be agreeable instead of like causing a ruckus you know because yeah. I don't uh, nowadays I'm kind of like I enjoy conflict sometimes you know which I think I've said to you like I love telling people to put a mask on at work because oh, yeah. I'm like you need to put a mask on do you want to fight me about it but like I don't want to lit I think because when I grew up in such a chaotic household I don't want to live in a chaotic world of like my world you know yeah. I prefer things to be a bit more calm and I just don't want like people to be trying to fight with me or like feud with me i don't want to have i just want to live a peaceful life at this point like i feel like an old woman like i just want to live in peace and if that involves being more agreeable sometimes i don't think that's a bad thing you know yeah i don't think it's worth getting up in a fuss about things all the time and like 
maybe that's based out of my own fear, but maybe that's also me just being tired of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's hard to know whether or not fear is the cause of something or just logic. Because there's so many things yeah. that you can get cause conflict about that if you think about it, it really doesn't matter at all. Right, exactly. And that's I think that's the point I'm getting to. It's yeah. like, does this really matter? Yeah. Doesn't no, it doesn't. But then like is that an excuse for being afraid of yeah. confrontation? I don't know. Exactly. Some cases maybe, but Yeah, I I worry I'm I worry I'm afraid of that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um I do I think about that and that's part of the thing I've been working on is just like getting to understand and know my true self and my true yeah. motivations because if I'm doing something based out of fear, I would like to maybe not do that. But if I'm doing something based out of let me just take care of myself and like not live a chaotic lifestyle, then I think that's better, I think. Yeah. But I also don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know either for myself how much of my actions are based in fear. I would like to think not many, mm -hmm. but I actually don't know. I mean, if you look also like subconscious, like yeah. you might be doing something because you're afraid of, because you're afraid of the consequence, you know, or yeah. like afraid of not having it work out. Yeah. I am a believer in... The fact that we don't know ourselves. Yeah, I mean, really at all. Seriously, like, which is crazy. I'm, I'm just starting to understand who I am, like the very surface of who I am. And sometimes I like what I see, and sometimes I don't, and that's fine. But I think the fact that I'm working on it is noble. <laughs> like, yeah. I have to do it, or I'm just gonna go nuts. Yeah. I don't want to be someone who's stuck at a job that I hate because I don't even know what I want at age like 50. You know. Yeah. I don't want to do that. There's a lot of pressure put on people in our like age bracket, like 22 to like, you know, 29. Like you have to know what you're doing. You have to have a career. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, all these things. Yeah. And that's why I dropped out of school because I hated it. And I realized like this isn't the right thing for me. And I already had my degree in what I want to do. And why am I trying to push myself to do more when I don't need to do more like right now? And I'm fine. Like, I'm okay just existing and trying to understand myself better and, like, improving myself on a daily basis. And sometimes I suck, but other times I don't. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's something that I struggle with actually a lot. And I think probably most people do. Um, that I feel like as a culture or generation, probably need to be able to come to terms with just being okay with just existing. Yeah. And not, like, needing to always be, like, trying to become quote-unquote successful or like push yourself or like the rise and grind right yeah like people lifestyle yeah i agree like people work themselves to death like and i mean i mean in japan it's like a real thing too yeah literally to death. like yeah people die from like overworking mm, which yeah. is really fucked up but um i don't i just it, like i want to spend time with my dogs i want to spend time with my partner I want to be able to travel. I want to like do things and I don't want to have to revolve my life around work. Yeah. That sucks. That's stupid. And like I spend so much time on my plants every week, but it's not work to me. It's something I truly enjoy. And like I would do that over most things pretty much always. Like it's therapeutic and I love it. It's what I want to do. So I'm trying to hopefully, you know, find a place for me that I can work that in as like a daily part of my life and hopefully get paid for it that'd be awesome but i'm also like fine keeping them separate yeah yeah i don't i don't like the whole rise and grind culture of just like 
if you're not waking up at 6 a.m. and yeah. working out at the gym for two hours and then Monetize going every moment of your yeah life. exactly and yeah. then you know taking a couple instagram selfies of you in the gym and then go to work and then stay late because your boss asked you to and then you haven't eaten anything all day and like all these things it's like that's not oh i just it's not healthy it's not okay that's not what we're supposed to do as humans yeah. we're supposed to work and like tinker around with things and like experiment but not like that <laughs> i don't think yeah and for me it's like i don't know it's on some level i feel very like pressured by myself maybe or maybe even by outside forces mm -hmm. to like become successful in a way where i can be my own like boss and control mm -hmm. my own time yeah um so i'm not really motivated by like clock in clock out work or like yeah. career like that right but i do really want to try and find some way to like sustain myself and that is exactly what this podcast is. Yeah. So in a way, it's like this podcast is kind of evidence of the fact that I am maybe not comfortable enough with just existing. Yeah. Rather than yeah. always trying to like do something. Right. I mean, doing this podcast is definitely doing more than a lot of people even want to try to do. You know, it's easier to just, it's easier to just go to work and clock in, clock out, and then just sit at home and watch TV. You know. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like it could be a bad thing, but I feel like also at the same time, like, maybe we should just accept that, like... Mm. Accept that? I mean, just, like, enjoy your life as it is, you know? It's like... Yeah. But only if it's what you want. Yeah. If if what you want is to clock in, clock out, and then, like, hang out, cool, do that. But I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, how much of what we want is shaped what? by other people or by by culture yeah. like how much is is like the culture we live in making us want like to do the rise and grind kind of right. lifestyle and, like and push also, ourselves harder than we need to yeah and also do the alternate lifestyle because from what i understand about you it seems like both of us have always kind of been on the outside of things and kind of been a little like strange you know and so for me i see people who i don't relate with at all people i went to high school with and stuff like that going to like be engineers and like yeah. working that you know really you know clock in clock out work long hours type thing and i don't relate to that at all but then i see people who i've always connected with being artists and being musicians and like just doing personal projects and working with their hands you know and like being creatives and stuff like that and i relate to that a lot more so maybe it's part of that too it's just that I don't relate to that type of person yeah. and, you know, type A, type B, whatever. But I'm very hardworking at the same time. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> the synopsis is that we don't know anything about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's as good of a place as any to uh, wrap up this episode of the podcast. Yeah. Although I'd like to know, for our listeners, do you have any sort of recommendations for them to do? Maybe a favorite book? Ooh. Or um, song or artist? I wish I had prepared better for this. Whatever um, comes to mind. Well, we were listening to Snail Mail today. Yes. And I do love Snail Mail. I'm also a huge fan of Beach House. Beach House. Pretty much every album. I've been listening to Fleet Foxes a lot because that's a good like fall-winter theme. Other than that, I really enjoy the book Prey by, I think you pronounce his last name, Crichton or Crichton? Michael Crichton? Creighton? I don't, know. I don't know. He wrote Jurassic Park, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Jurassic Park is a book? I think so. Oh. Unless someone just told me that and I've just <laughs> held on to that wrong knowledge for a long time. But that's, it's like a sci-fi novel. Is it Prey with an E or A? E. Oh, okay. Definitely E. It's about micro, uh, like nanotechnology going into people's blood and like 
than like gaining sentience. It's really oh, cool. Okay. It's very interesting. That's like my all time favorite book. I've read it like 15 times probably. Wow. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. Nice. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me. It was a fun time. It was. I do like talking to people. So that kind of makes this less um, work and more yeah. just, just like chatting. a passion project. Chatting with some pals.